Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Buck gets dropped. The Blues nearly tied it up at the crack and hold on with some desperation hockey and beat the Blues by a score of 5-3. to three. The Blues now head out to the West Coast. And they face off against the San Jose Sharks on Thursday night. Let's get nasty on a Wednesday. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stolitzer. You just heard Chris Kerber, voice of the Blues last night. A very despondent Chris Kerber, in fact, as uh, the Blues fall to the Seattle Kraken. No word on if whether, whether or not uh, Bowie was in the building. No, he wasn't. Good. Bowie was not in the building. I went looking for him. How would you have handled Bowie if you if you saw him? I saw a punch gl- him right in the throat. I don't know. Break I, his um, femur. I saw a glimpse of Bowie when the Blues played in Seattle, and I was working that game, but I couldn't get to him. Where I was up in the booth, I saw him, and I contemplated going down and finding him. Just if nothing else, for the picture, mm-hmm. just for you guys to have some fun with it. Then I thought to myself, what if I just tripped him just a little bit? Rolled them down the stairs a little bit. Mm. We're in Seattle, so I don't think it would have the same effect as if, like, Bowie was here and I threw him off the balcony or something. Right, yeah. Yeah. Jamie, I don't think you would be with us anymore if you tripped Bowie. I feel like he would get you in your sleep. That's actually a really good mm. um, really good point, Marshy. Although, is there I, proof that he's Freddy Krueger? Well, no, he's just Bowie. He's Bowie. He's his own thing. It's just a relative, I think. I'm not sure if blood-related or not. Uh, both haunt your dreams, though. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So do the Blues right now. Uh, oh, blues. Geez, what? It's a transition. They had a pretty good game last night. Did they? They did, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm not being... Uh, what elements did you like? Well, Anthony, what I liked was that after two periods of play, they had 44 attempts on net, which is some games they don't even have 25 or 30. So after two periods having 44, I... I I don't want to go and guess the last number of attempts on net, and I'm trying to pull it up. We have a pretty quick turnaround. I know they had, I know they had 25 shots. Yeah, we have a pretty quick turnaround between shows here. It's hard to always pull up all the info on your computer, but the point I'm making is they had way more attempts on net than they had been recently. And that Seattle team, that's a good, fast team. They play fast. And, and you know, we talked about the Carolina Hurricanes being a very similar style of team where it's not that they've got – a bunch of guys who can flat out outskate you. They have a couple of guys like that, but they play fast. They move the puck fast. They support the puck. And when they don't have anywhere to go with it, they advance the puck up the ice. Then they forecheck and they forecheck again. They get back. Like they play a really fast, aggressive style of game. And I thought the Blues handled it relatively well for the most part. There are a couple of moments where the wheels fell off a little bit, but overall, that the Blues was they were in that game, the entire game. And at one point, to start the game, they were up, what, 8-1 to one in shots at one point. So, at this point, and I, I haven't even looked at the text line yet because I'm afraid, but you have to start drawing the positives. And that's the way I look at it now, too. For all Blues fans, is it's easy to highlight the negatives. And it's easy to say, well, trade them. you still got two days to trade deadline. I don't know if Army's going to make another move. And if he does, it might be an irrelevant move of non, no significance, moving a late draft pick or something, a depth player. 
Who knows? Army may have a big splash, but either way, I feel like Blues fans have to wrap their brain around the fact right now to find the positives and start to look at those things and go, okay, Casper uh, Kapanen, pretty good debut. Now, was it all just based on adrenaline? Can he keep that kind of going? I would hope so. You know, he has done it in the past, but I liked what I saw last night. So that's a positive. Uh, you look at some of the other play last night. I thought that I thought that uh, Walker had a good game, aggressive type game. Torpchenko again involved. Uh, felt Logan Brown had a, a pretty good game as far as intensity and being involved in the play. Like you have to start drawing some positives out of this thing because there are going to be the negatives are probably going to still outweigh the positives. But I guess it's depending on how you look at things. I like going back to Kapanen. I, yeah, what'd you find, Siri? Uh, she found on the web that he, a uh, great player in Toronto, needs to work on his two-way game from his Pittsburgh days, okay. but should be promising for the Blues. That's what Siri says. Thank you, Siri. And we pre- we appreciate you listening. I really liked Kapanen's game last night. I liked the fact that he was shooting the damn puck. It was something that he had talked about following his first practice with the Blues. When I was in Pittsburgh, Kapanen noted, I didn't take the opportunities to shoot shoot as much as I probably should have. He's going to have the opportunity to do it here. He's playing on a line with Robert Thomas and Pavel Buchnevich, and Buchnevich has been the most steady offensive performer when he's healthy, Jamie, in this Blues lineup. But up and down the four lines, outside of Jordan Cairo, nobody's shooting the damn puck, especially when you look at it relative to other teams and and, and just looking at how their lines are structured. Kairu's the only one that's been firing. I'm not saying they're quality shots. I'm just talking about yeah. taking those opportunities. Yeah. And Kapanen, Kapanen last night I thought was was pretty aggressive. Also blocked three shots. It's nice to see somebody outside of, you know, Colton Pareko block, block a shot or two. And I thought Kapanen getting down and dirty a couple of times was, uh, again, a, a, a good sign in his first game. Well, that's kind of the way I look at it, too, is what is a guy willing to do in order to make himself, make his presence known on a new team? And a lot of guys, you know, back in the day, it was get a big hit, get into a fight, do something like that. Or if a teammate gets hit, get in there and you get into a fight because you want to let your team, your new teammates know you're there for them. It's like prison. Kind of. Ish. I don't know. You could tell me. I have no idea. Well, you walk in and you look for the biggest, baddest dude and you Uh punch him right in the throat and then you run. Where are you running to exactly? I feel like you'd be kind of if you're in prison, you're probably yeah, you're in. kind of in, enclosed in an area. Yeah, no, you are. You run in a circular pattern. Yeah, or and then do you, you just do start like the um, the 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 northern star where you go like angle, angle, angle. angle it's up. Like, it's up to the individual. Uh-huh. Um, what I did, what I heard was what you did. You ju- no, what I, I caught heard that. Would you just start screaming? Is that why you don't live in Detroit anymore? You had to leave. Anyways, like, sorry, go ahead. What do you do? I don't like to talk about the past. You just start screaming. Just weird stuff. Like obscenities or just random Anything stuff? Anything that, that comes to your head. Okay. And then uh, typically they're like, oh, this is a psych ward guy. And I don't know if you've ever been to a psych ward, Jamie. I have. I've heard of stuff. Um, you learn some things. Yeah. So is that like with the story you told me of when... You walked in and, and spit in the biggest guy's face, and then you were kind of worried. And you know how they have that one toilet that's all by itself. Mm-hmm. And then you were scared for your life, so you reached in and grabbed another person's 
feces and ate it because you wanted him to think you were crazy? That was somebody else that I was in the prison cell. That I heard that this person was in the prison cell. Somebody oh. else did that. Okay. Either way, an effective way to get your point across. Just like Sammy Kaplan laying out last night, blocking the shot. He saw post game that he had, you know, all wrapped in ice and whatnot. He's talking to Andy Strickland. Um, but he's already endeared himself to his teammates. You know, it's early. And, you know, who knows? But usually your first impression is a big thing. In any in any walk of life, a first impression is a big thing. You either leave a conversation with somebody going, ugh, no thanks. Or you're like, yeah, you know what? I like that guy. I like that guy. Or I like that girl. Or whatever it is, right? You leave, the, you, you leave with an impression. And so my impression, and hopefully that of Blues fans from last night, is it Sammy Kapanen? I like this guy. Let's see where it goes type thing. Mm-hmm. Good first debut. Not so much for the Blues power play, though, last night. Yeah, Not that the, that was a debut. So I, this is what I don't get. <sighs> and, you know, I was never a regular power play guy in the NHL, but my entire life I was. And I don't get what they're doing. <clears throat> I'm not like, but I don't get it. They're passing just to pass. Mm-hmm. Like, if I watch Krug to Cairo to Krug to Cairo to Krug one more time, I might put my head through a brick wall. I'm not joking. What is the purpose? And the passes are in a bad spot to where neither of them can one-time the puck. So what are we doing? Well, and Chief talks about execution. Uh, I believe it was post-game or even post-practice today. And he talks about the Blues power play, just like, you know, the puck being flat and making a good pass. The power play always, your mission is to look for the one thing that you've talked about or highlighted and you get to that thing so here's craig baruby following practice today regarding his power play power play you know we worked on it again today it's just about execution and it's more of a mindset than anything for me it's um we got to look to be in position to attack more and shoot more and um, execute better our execution has not been good as of late in the power play and that leads to not good power plays you know puck has to be flat and it's got to be crisp and it's got to be moved quickly yeah you do so when you have a struggling power play what have i always said one one pass two pass shoot Mm -hmm. one pass two pass shoot and when you do that you're going to shrink their diamond or their box they're going to shrink because here comes the shot and once you establish to where the other team shrinks now you make plays now you make plays Spread them out again. Pull them back out. Make them expand again. Boom. Hit the guy in the middle. One pass, two pass. Hit the guy in the middle. Shot. Bam. Like, pass, 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 pass. Giveaway. Pass, pass, giveaway. I'm like, I, I just don't get it. Maybe I'm being unfair. Maybe I'm being unfair. Didn't you used to talk about, though, drawing the the defense closer? You used to talk can, about but it. only if you're passing it. Like, so the opposition has to actually think you're going to create offense. <laughs> when I pass it behind you out of the way and you have to reach for it and you're and so watch on the power play. If you go back and watch the last couple of games, every time Krug or Krug pass the puck to Cairo, he passes it to him where he's got to turn and he has no hope of being a scoring threat. The only play he has is back to Krug or to skate it up towards the blue line himself, which takes away all the yeah, pressure. Right. And so you're wasting time. You have to put it in a spot to where the opposition thinks, oh, he might one-time it. I better front the puck. So now I'm committing my body out in front now, of the puck and making myself big. Now I got space. And now you move the puck again, and that guy, then you can jump behind him. That guy's screwed now because he's so committed. That's when you pass the puck to pull them out a little bit. 
not just pass, 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 pass. Like, and then once they do that six, seven times, then they're looking for the sauce pass through the middle of the ice. Well, there's a whole bunch of people there because you're no threat to score. Mm-hmm. And it gets knocked down, cleared down the ice. They, simplify it, guys. Just simplify the damn thing and execute. Put a pass in the right spot. You're NHL hockey players. You're making millions of dollars. You're some of the best in the league. Tori Krug, you're way better than I ever was. Put it in the wheelhouse. Jordan Cairo, way better than I ever was. Put it in the wheelhouse or put it on net. That's how they're going to get out of this funk. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Blues, Sharks, tomorrow night, pregame starting at 8.30. You'll listen to the coverage right here on the Blues Radio Network, 101 ESPN. 214, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We got the biggest question of the day yesterday, and we didn't get into it too much. Matthew Libertor fired two scoreless innings last night or yesterday in spring in spring in his grapefruit league debut where do we think libertor's immediate future is or is he kind of off the grid altogether after he had his cup of coffee last year for the cardinals and quite frankly didn't go go well we'll have that discussion next on 101 espn we're right back to the fast lane podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn Hey guys, just trying out, you know, the whole mic drop feature again. It's a great feature. More people should use it. But way too early reaction. How about Libertor today? Efficient, straight to the point, going for contact, hitting the zone. Looked really, really good. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe things are turning up for him. All right, guys, love the show. That was Robert. He left us the biggest question of the day, mic Randy drop. Randy who? Randy, Randy who? Randy Arosa, what? Randy, got to be yeah. out of the league soon, am I right? Nah, probably not. Matthew Libertor did look good yesterday. He made his Grapefruit League debut. He fires two scoreless innings, and he worked at a, at a really good pace. BT was with us a couple of days ago, and he was talking about how when, he, when Matthew Libertor was in the minors last year, they had the pitch clock. They had that kind of that, that quick tempo. He gets up to St. Louis. He gets with the big league club. And they tell him, hey, listen, you got to slow down a little bit, kid. You got to let, – let's let's slow things down. So I'm not making excuses for Libertor. Maybe it jacked him up a little bit. And then he goes back to the minors. He's on the pitch clock. Nonetheless, he didn't he didn't fire strikes with the Cardinals last year. He, he wasn't aggressive with attacking the zone. There were times where he flashed a little bit of that talent. But for the most part, he looked like a pitcher – that was not ready. Yeah. Bottom line. And he wasn't. He wasn't ready last year. Guess what? It's okay. And it's okay. It's okay. You you didn't desperately need Matthew Libertor last year. You really didn't. No. And even if you did, you were probably going to go outside the organization anyways at the deadline because why would you put all that pressure on that guy? It'd be, it would have been different had he come up and he he looked he looked like he he did yesterday, quite frankly. Well, yeah. But that, get, let's get not ahead get... hitters. And let's not get too carried away here. It was two innings. Mm-hmm. Two good innings. That's great. Build off of that. Absolutely. But I'm not ready to give him a spot at the top of the rotation. Oh, no, 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 no. I can see but, where you you wrote it down. You had building your rotation. You had Flaherty, Michaelis, Libertor, Mats, mm-hmm. then Wayno. Yeah. I don't appreciate 
you diving into my personal business. Quite frankly, I find it offensive. Okay? You shouldn't leave it right out on the desk like that. You stay in your lane. I'll stay in I'm happy to do it, Anthony. We keep your stuff in your lane. And we, when we come in two to six, huh? we're, the, we're the fast lane. Outside, we're individual lane. <laughs> For what? I don't know. Individually? Yeah, individual lane. <laughs> so what is what is Matthew Libertor's immediate future? I think he's got to continue to do, obviously, what he did in spring training yesterday, which is, again, work quickly, work with, work with some urgency, Get ahead of hitters, pound the strike zone, and don't be afraid of contact. Miles Michaelis has carved out a nice second second stint in Major League Baseball because he does exactly that. Adam Wainwright has continued his career, has extended his career because of that. They also locate their pitches. They though. do. They pit, They're well, not just the key throwing you, grapefruits you out over the plate and like, okay, if he hits it, I've got good defense. They're locating the pitches strategically so that the hitters do get weak contact. Mm-hmm. They're not just firing it in there. But like you said, they they pitch. Miles Michaelis pitches. Mm-hmm. Adam Wainwright pitches. These aren't guys that are throwing anymore. These aren't young guys that are coming up with 97, knowing they got 97, and they're looking to blow every fastball by, by every hitter. Libertor, I think, is somebody that – can continue to pick the brains of guys like that before they go to the WBC. You better. But you're going to have your opportunities, though. Wayne Rain, Wainwright and Miles Michaelis are going to be pitching for USA in, in the WBC. This is another guy we haven't really talked about in terms of the opportunities given. Dylan Carlson. Tyler O'Neill is going to be playing for Team Canada. Jordan Walker. Carlson. Newt Bar. They have opportunities. You there are look, a lot of guys that are going to get some opportunities. Here. Certainly. They've, they've got under-the-radar guys, too, going to the, to the WBC. Right. Juan Yepes, I think, is the biggest benefactor of these guys going to the WBC. What can you do? Gorman, same deal. Mm-hmm. Libertor is in that conversation. And I think, Jamie, in my opinion, the the route for Libertor is the same route that we, we have seen with other starters that have made it. Wainwright was in the bullpen. Lance Lynn was in the bullpen. We've seen Zach Thompson carve out some time where in the bullpen i think he'll be ticketed some point for the for the rotation this is kind of the cardinals model when it comes to starting pitchers the only guy that i remember in recent history that came up and really was put in the rotation he didn't go anywhere else and go anywhere else was michael walker he wasn't somebody that kind of carved out a spot in the bullpen first where'd they start with flaherty flaherty i believe got a couple of spot starts but did wind up in the bullpen okay I don't if remember. I rem- if I remember correctly. I don't remember that far back with Flaherty. I'd have so to go back. That's but why I'm asking. But I'm pretty sure he he did see some time initially as a reliever. Maybe not as much as Wainwright or Thompson is now, but I think he was in the bullpen. So that, to me, Jamie, if he's – I don't think he carves out a spot, Libertor, for himself this year. I think he's going to be in, in AAA. But when he comes back up, I think it's going to be first as a reliever. So if I'm Matthew Libertor and I'm his agent or his representative's this year for me, I'm all in. I'm all in. Teach me, Sensei. Teach me, Adam <laughs> Wainwright. Teach me, Miles Michaelis. Listen, absorb. Talk to Contreras. Talk to whoever. Talk to everybody. Work your absolute you know what off every single day. You know why? They have one pitcher under contract next year mm-hmm. in the starting rotation. I want this team to feel confident enough to mention my name as a candidate for a spot. I obviously know that it's nothing is given, 
in life. And certainly nothing is given in Major League Baseball, let alone being in the starting rotation for a successful baseball team. Right. But this is the year, man. This is the year where you lay your foundation, if you're Matthew Libertor, and you absolutely fine-tune your skills and you get bigger, you get stronger, you get more flexible. Whatever the heck it is pitchers need to do, especially him, he does it. And if they send him to the minors, you know what? You embrace it and you go down there and you dominate to the best of your ability so that when you get the call up again, whether it's out of the bullpen, whether it's a spot start because there's a double header and you don't want to waste arms or whatever the heck it is that happens, that's when you have to give it your all so that you're in the conversation next offseason about being a candidate for the starting rotation. Oh, great point. That's Jamie Rivers. I mean, Anthony Stalter, it's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. One of the quarterback dominoes for this offseason might be falling soon. We'll tell you why next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. And just kind of let whatever was going to come in, come in. And it did. A lot of great contemplation around, you know, how I show up in the world and... And then, you know, I spent parts of uh, a couple of days imagining what it would be like to uh, retire and then imagining what it would be like to continue to play. <laughs> That's Aaron Rodgers. Is that your quarterback, Jets? <laughs> oh, my God. Is that your quarterback, Raiders? <laughs> oh. So Aaron Rodgers went on the Aubrey Marcus podcast, and this was released Wednesday, and promised that his decision won't take too much long. Or too, it won't take won't take uh, too much longer. Then he got to talking about certain elements of this darkness retreat that he went on. You want to hear some of these clips? Uh, Anthony, you know I do. This is Aaron Rodgers on what it was like going into the dark. There was um, an excitement, I think, <laughs> just the unknown. So I lit a little candle, I closed the door, and kind of arranged my food on my bed where I was going to eat it. And then blew that candle out. And that started um, a pretty incredible, difficult at times, four nights. I did that on Valentine's Day. It's for a different reason, though. <laughs> I'm sure it, just was, it, it wasn't just one candle. I'm sure you several, lit a couple of candles. Several candles. Yeah. Soft music. Absolutely. Yeah. But I didn't put my food on the bed. So you understand that uh, sometimes you need to set yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. 
Preparation is key. Oh, it makes sense. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. This guy's crazy, Anthony. He is. Let's let's get to this before we dive into it. So this is this is him as he walks through his uh, his thoughts on his career while he's in the dark with his food on the bed. <laughs> It was almost like a negative thing. Like, why would you want somebody on your team who has to contemplate whether he wants to play football or not? You know, you want me to talk about, you want athletes to talk openly and honestly about mental health and champion them. But when people are taking time to contemplate their future, to reset their minds, to really work on themselves, we're, we're going to try and cut that down. I think that's my issue with some, you know, with with some of the media is, and really life in general. And that's, you know, I, I never really do this anymore. I used to a lot when it was fun. But but I responded to a guy on Twitter uh, who was trying, who was kind of ripping the darkness retreat. And I said one of my favorite quotes, which is from Ted Lasso. And it might not be, Ted Lasso said it on the show, but it was, uh, be curious, not judgmental. Here's the thing. Oh, I'm curious. All right. He Look, Aaron Rodgers, talk, he's he's absolutely right. He's like, hey, open up, open up. Athletes want to know more about you. And then, boom, we judge them. Or, boom, we tell we tell them what, what we would do or what they should do, which is even worse, quite frankly. Here, this is what you should do. He's, he's absolutely right. He's also right about let me take some time. And think about my future. Let me think. Let me let me take some time and think about whether or not I want to continue playing football. I've got no issue with that. I think that's smart, and I think that shows a lot of maturity. Here's the thing, though: if I'm a general manager right now of another team, I still have a problem with that because let's go back. Last off season was a little hairy with him and the Packers. Two off seasons ago was really hairy because of the Jordan Love selection uh-huh. so you've had issues the last two off seasons now you won an mvp two two years ago and you couldn't get your team to the playoffs last year despite the fact that you played in a dumpster fire of a conference and you had every opportunity to lead your team to the playoffs last year in week 18 against a team that you had owned in in i don't know virtually your entire life they picked the wrong door on that one. You had a lead, you, know you were at home, kneecaps. and you lost. You're fighting. And the Packers lost. It's not just on Aaron Rodgers, but this has been the case here. How many home playoff games, and I'm going to include last year, that was essentially an elimination game. That's a playoff game. Who did they play again? The Lions, the, yeah, the, the knee biters. My team. How many, how many home playoff games have you lost now? And now you want to think about your future. Great. I got no issue with that. Again, showing maturity. If I'm a general manager, though, I'm not giving a couple of first-round picks to the Packers to play this game again next year. So, as a former professional athlete, here has this has always been my stance on retirement. The moment a player talks about it, they're already one foot out the door. That's the bottom line. I don't care. I'm sure there's athletes out there who disagree. Oh, it's it's good to think. No, it isn't. It's full throttle that you're going to be an athlete, a professional player, whatever sport it is, full throttle. The moment you start looking at retirement, it's because that's what you're, you're actually trying to sell yourself on the idea of I'm finished. And if you're, if that little sliver of your brain is contemplating the fact that you're finished, it's amazing how it affects your performance, too. Mm-hmm. You start to be a little less motivated, um, not work quite as hard, find reasons to take a day off, find reasons to skip said workout, because you're, ha- you're already one foot out the door. 
So as soon as I hear any athlete talk about, well, you know, I, I'm going to step back and evaluate, watch their careers following things like that. Watch their careers. They all take a nosedive. And I know, well, it's because they're older and they can't perform. I get it. I get it. But something psychologically happens inside of an athlete that once you admit or are willing to embrace the fact that the end of your career is coming, it changes you. It absolutely does. So if I'm a general manager right now in the NFL and I'm listening to Aaron Rodgers talk, I'm out. I'm out. And I could be wrong. He might come back and torch the NFL. But in my experience of listening to athletes, several, lots, talk about retirement and where their mindset's at, I don't think it happens. I think he has a meh, so-so year, mm-hmm. and there's then he'll retire after next year. Watch. There won't be no two-year crusade. This will be a one-year thing. It won't go exactly the way Aaron Rodgers wanted it to go, and then he'll drift off into the darkness. <clears throat> yeah, Again. literally and figuratively. Yes. There And, of course, there are exceptions. There's exceptions to what you're talking about. Wayne Wainwright is an exception. When you saw him, let me contemplate my future. Let me get with the family. There are exceptions. But you're talking about the vast majority of athletes in your experience. Even then, Anthony. Even thinking even about then, it. I talk to my family. Why? It should be an automatic. But I'm saying there is. You're ex- my quarterback. It's an automatic. I'm just saying there you are exceptions. You don't have to talk to your family about it. There, no. are, there are exceptions to players still playing well after they've started Correct. complimenting that. That's all I'm saying. Or contemplating. Correct. It's not a given. I said it's my opinion. And it's my opinion that once they start talking about other things except being the best at their profession, they're already leaning that way. Sure. I think in this case, you're 100, you're 100% right. He didn't have a good year last year. He admitted it. He admitted it on the podcast. He ha- he didn't have the year that he expected that he that he expected of himself. If I'm the if I'm if he goes to th- this is what's going to happen. He's going to get dealt because I think the Packers are done with him. You listen to Brian Gunikis, the GM. Marsh had the quotes yesterday, talking about you know Gunikis and say, saying uh-huh. they asked him flat out. Do you want Aaron Rodgers back? He goes, we're going to consider all options. Yeah, he didn't say it's a ringing endorsement. How do you feel about Jordan Love? We love Jordan Love. We yep. feel way confident about him this year. Anthony, i got to address text on our Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. From 314, yeah, Pujols had a horrible year last year. You're not understanding the difference at all. Albert Pujols said flat out, this is my last year. And in fact, guys who do that are more dangerous. Because they're going to give you every ounce of everything they've ever had. And what happened? Albert went on an epic run in the last half of the season. And then he's like, I'm done. There was no hesitation. There was no contemplating. We were contemplating. Is he really done? Albert was done. Mm -hmm. There is a difference. A big difference between that dog that has one more fight in it and the one that has no idea whether it wants to fight or not. Sure. That's the difference. So just to be corrected on that. I here's here's what's here's my prediction of what's going to happen here. He's going to get dealt. The Packers are going to trade him to the Raiders, the Jets, whoever. Probably just those those two teams. I think are the two teams unless he goes back to Green Bay or retires. I think I think he winds up with the Raiders or the Jets. He's going to go to these teams. The talking pundits are going to love it. Especially if you go, I mean, either either team, but especially goes to the Jets. I've already heard this. Oh, the Jets have the greatest defense known to man. They've got some good weapons. 
instant Super Bowl contender. I would pump the brakes on that. The Jets' defense got worse as the year wore on. He goes there. He works with a defensive-minded coach, with with the coach with not the greatest coaching staff overall, especially on the offensive side. He struggles. That's my prediction. And then, like you said, then he's done. I think he's got one year left, and it's outside of Green Bay. And and we look back a year from now and say Green Bay made the right right call. It's the old Bill. I think it was always Bill Parcells. It might have been Don Shula. I might be crediting it to the wrong guy. But it's better to get rid of a player one year too soon than one year too late from a team standpoint. It's oh, kind of, I agree 100%. It's kind of cruel to think of it that way, but it is. So I, I think the Green Bay is going to be is, is, is getting ahead of this thing. Get some draft compensation, move on to love, figure I, or, out what he or is. Or move on to somebody else. Whoever. Pull the right. ultimate switcheroo and go sign Derek Carr. Good. And then Good. just jam everything up. Colton Pareko. So we're going to trading. Do you build with him? Or do you deal him? And we want your thoughts on this, too. If you want to leave us a mic drop, what would you do? You're a general manager. You're the president of hockey operations for the Blues. Are you building with Colton Pareko? Or are you dealing him at this deadline? That's next on 101 ESPN. How often do we ever unplug? Who knows? Who really knows? How often do we even set our phones down for a little bit? Guys must not like it. I lit a little candle. I closed the door. Was that true? Yeah. It's only thing I can drill you is this wall on the left here besides the bed. And then once you get to the bathtub, you take a right and it's about three steps. You got to watch out for this big hook that's coming (laughs) out of the wall. Not much fun. I can tell you that. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hey guys, <clears throat> if I were the GM of the St. Louis Blues, I would take Colton Pareko probably out to a nice meal, maybe go to Six Flags, maybe ride some roller coasters. Uh, I don't know. Just generally try to be friends. He seems like a cool guy. He's big. He can protect me wherever we go. Yeah, kind of like a bodyguard. I'd make Colton Pareko my bodyguard. I'm realizing now that you meant what would we do with Colton Pareko? Either trade him or keep him. I don't know. I don't really know much about hockey. You know, <laughs> credit Steve for being self-aware in that moment. He kind of figured it out halfway through the through the mic drop there, uh-huh. and uh, good on him for realizing, one, what we're talking about, and two, just understanding he doesn't know hockey. I like that he just wanted to be a part of the show. Absolutely. He just wanted to pull up a, jar- a chair at the bar and talk to us, and he didn't know what he was talking about, didn't care, just you're, wanted to say hi. You're always welcome, too. Yep. Come on in. Come on in, baby. Water's uh, water's warm. Thanks to Anthony. Beers are... It's either your urine or your blood. I can't figure out which one it is. Maybe a little of both. <laughs> Who knows? What day is it? It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stoltzer. So we're asking for mic drops. Colin Pareko, he's been involved in trade rumors. We know that the trade deadline is tomorrow. I think yeah. it's, what, 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock, something like that? I don't tomorrow know. Tomorrow afternoon. So it's like Eastern time, and then we're but we're in Central. I always get confused. Yeah, we're always confused here in the fast lane. Yeah, that's true. Would you trade him, or would you build with him? And notice, I didn't say build around him. I mean, would you continue to build with him? Colton Pareko. Well, what would you do? Leave us a mic drop. Anthony, I'm curious to hear your thoughts as well as Marshy's before I weigh in because I have my own thoughts, but I don't want to taint your thoughts. Yeah, I don't want your taintness. That's right. Colton Pareko, I would build with. I would build I would build with. He is somebody, as you mentioned yesterday, the fact that he's got, Con- you know, Connor McDavid, 
one of, if not the best players in the NHL, certainly one of the most dangerous, saying that because of Colton Preco's reach, the his ability to, you know, eliminate time and space from him, uh, combat his speed, he's one of the most difficult players to play against. He hates playing against him. There's something there. The other thing, if I'm a GM, if I'm if I'm Army, and I'll just say I'm I'm in his spot. I am the GM. And I'm getting multiple calls about Colton Pareko from teams that aren't just desperate but know what the hell they're doing. Vegas. I don't think Tampa's calling, but if a Tampa was calling, Toronto, a team that knows it it needs a big defenseman of Colton Pareko's abilities. I'm I'm pumping the brakes. And I'm saying to myself, is this somebody I can still build with? He has not had a good season. He has, to some degree, been set up for failure because he was he was supposed to be the big dog following, you know, the alpha dog following Alex Petrangelo out the door. In hindsight, that 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 did not set up Colton well. We got Colton Breaker well, and endear him to a fan base that now had high expectations, lofty expectations. The contract carries that same weight. But if you broke it, you, as you've broken down the contract before, it is not as like is not is not as if Colton Pareko's contract, all, uh, you know, causes you to to not not make other moves. It's Pareko's contract. It's Krug's contract. It's Falk's contract. It's Thomas's contract. Kyrie's. A lot of guys are being paid right now. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to Pareko and his skill set, I think I can, t- can I can continue to add to this forward group schematically change up the defense and be in, be in a good good spot because it's either the players or the scheme. And I think when it comes to the defensemen and the defensive structure overall, it seems to be more of a scheme problem. I might be wrong on that. You know hockey better than I do. But it seems to be a, a, a scheme issue more than maybe a player issue. So I'm holding on to Pareko. The only exception is if I have my price on Pareko and a team like Toronto comes, comes around and it just absolutely blows me away. Because now we're talking about getting more than market value for him. And I think in that case, then I would I would deal. But if it's fair or under market, I'm keeping him and I'm building with him. Marshy? Anthony, everything you said pretty much sums it up. I think the one thing that I'll touch on is if we are thinking about moving a defenseman that is under contract, I don't think Colton Pareko is the guy. I think I think there's another player that uh that might need to. Uh, does, it ride, does it rhyme with Anthony? I'm Snorri not Smoog. Anthony, I'm not going to say anything. I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you guess. But I, I will say, Colton Pareko. Um, I don't believe he is the the one person that I would move if I'm looking towards the future, trying to restructure this defense core. Yeah, he hasn't had the best season. You could say that for pretty much everyone on the roster, and I think they'd probably agree with you looking at the standings. But we know what is there. It's almost like a Jack Flaherty thing. You haven't seen him be good since 2019, right? But you're hoping that this upcoming season that he can get back to where he was. And I, I think he can. I, you know, he's been dealing with, with injuries. He had the back problem. I don't even know if he's back to normal. You know, we don't know these things. You know, a guy could get injured and he, all you know is it's either upper body or lower body, right? And these guys play through through things. So, uh when it comes to if you need to move a guy, Colton Pareko's not the guy at the top of my list. It's, it could be a different guy. So I'm building with him. 
So you guys have brought up excellent points, but I'm building with him. And I'm going to say, I'm going to mention one player here that is going to hopefully um, put the Blues fan base at ease. Jay Bomeister. Why do I say his name? Because the Blues traded for him, gave up quite a bit, brought him in, played pretty good, and then he had a patch of hockey that the Blues fans were irate. Get get rid of Jay Bomeister. I can't believe Army signed Jay. We're married to that guy for how many years? Now what do people say? Boy, I wish we had Jay Bomeister. This team would be different if we had Jay Bomeister. So Colton Pareko has some work to do to get to Jay Bomeister's level of play. There's no doubt. But he carries a lot of the same traits. Big, tall guy, skates exceptionally well, great Stick, closes guys out, not very aggressive. Jay Bowmeister never was aggressive his whole career. But we didn't care, right? Why? Steady. Steady. Defended well. Good leader. Quiet. Colton Pareko, quiet. There's so many similarities between these two players, which is why when they played together, they were incredible. You just have to go find a Colton Pareko for Colton Pareko right now or a Jay Bowmeister for him. Like, I don't mean like Jay Bowmeister in his prime. I'm talking about... Just a guy that you can play with that is the same level almost. Because I look around the NHL, and Colton Pareko's $6.5 million is not bad. Want to be Chicago Blackhawks? You've got Seth Jones at $9.5 million. Seth Jones, I would argue right now, is not as good as Colton Pareko. That's what you're married to if you're the Blackhawks. Every team has a guy that I can point out that is not as good as Colton Pareko and making more money. Almost every team. Some of the other teams are just crap. They don't even have anybody that's close. You know, but seriously, I'm being honest here. To Marshy's point, I'd be looking elsewhere to change the decor, to gain my cap space. Because if you got 6.5, 6.5, 6.5, that's Krug, Falk, Pareko. That's the top of the food chain on your decor. All you need to do is move one of those contracts. Personally, I don't have a replacement for Colton Pareko. Do I? If no. I do, tell me right now. There within the organization, do you? Do, within the organization, do you have a replacement for Justin Falk? No. Within the organization, you're pausing? No, I'm just thinking. Okay. Well, I guess I, I mean, I don't think so. I think I think a player that we're thinking of could be a replacement for either Falk or Tory Krug, but he has yet to prove that he can Hang stay healthy. Hang on a second. No, stay out. Stay on. I didn't get to Tory Krug. Falk, <laughs> For no. Justin Falk specifically, right-handed shot, a guy that logs 25 minutes a game. Do you no. have that in your organization? Absolutely not. Okay. Do you have a possible replacement for Tory Krug in your organization? Possibly, potentially, yes. Correct. Kronovich. That's right. Same size, same abilities, all this stuff. And and if I'm Doug Armstrong right now, if I'm Craig Brube, I'm monitoring the power play for the rest of the season because right now it's not good, which is you got said player because that's what they do, mm-hmm. right? And this is not all on Tory Krug. And I personally, I like Tory Krug. I like the way he competes. I like he's a great guy. He's a great leader. This is just my GM hat on. Where can I alleviate salary cap to in a spot where I think I have something to replace it? It's there. Scott Perunovich is that guy. Can he do it? To be determined. But the other two guys, I know I don't have a replacement for. Not yet. If you disagree with us, great. Send in a mic drop. We'll play it. We'll hear your thoughts, and we'll expound on ours. But we're going to transition to Wilson Contreras, who was asked earlier this week to compare the Cubs and the Cardinals from an organizational standpoint. You, you may have 
read the quotes or have seen him. If not, we'll tell you what he said because he didn't hold back at all. And I also want to get Jamie's thoughts on this. We throw the word around culture a lot. We, we, we throw culture around a ton when it comes to sports. Jamie's played for a lot of organizations in his career. What's the common theme with bad cultures? What's the common theme with good cultures? Get to that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is, uh, this for me, I like this better. It's a it, it's better organization. Uh, we all, like, almost like old, old school, old school way, which I love it. And that's something that I really like it. I was, I already talked to uh, the manager about it, like how I was a coach here. And everything since I got here has been everything just one way, the cardinal way. And I have to adjust it. So uh, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not that hard. I mean, it, it do everything right and respect each other. That's it. That was Wilson Contreras earlier like this week on Valley Sports Midwest, talking about after being asked to compare the, the the two organizations that he has played for, the only two organizations professionally he's played for, the Cubs and the Cardinals. That was his response. Again, he says, for me, I like this better. It's a better organization. Old school ways, which I love, something I really like. Already talked about uh, that with the manager, Ali Marmel. Ever since I got here, it's been everything just one way, the Cardinal way. And, and I have to adjust to it. It's not that hard. Do everything right. Respect each other. That's it. Jamie, I wanted to talk to you about culture because we we tend to throw that word around a lot as we talk about sports, and we tend to be very generic with it. Ah, they need to build a culture. We talked about this with the Blues, too. It Now it's about resetting the culture. Culture can mean a variety of things. When you played, and you played for a lot of organizations. Thank you for noticing. Both here in America as well as our neighbors to the north, Canada, yeah. your home, your home country, mm-hmm. and of course overseas for for uh, outstanding organizations like the Croatian Croatians. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's the common denominator between organizations that had good cultures, in your opinion, and the ones that had bad ones? Because I imagine there has to be a common thread. In yeah, both. you have to have a standard. You have to set the standard, and that comes from leadership. And you have your leadership as far as your coaching staff is concerned. They set the standard as to how you're going to practice, how you're going to work out, how you're going to approach games, how you're going to study film. They set the standard of that. Then your leadership group hold everybody accountable to the standard. So you walk in. Yeah. You're a veteran player, mm-hmm. but you walk into the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, which I did. Yeah, but I already knew. I knew what the standard was. Because of players talking talking to yep. you about them? Yeah. Okay. So a lot of former teammates were on that team. You had Curtis Joseph, Brendan Shanahan, Brett Hall, guys I'd played with before, and uh, were just like, uh, this. you've never played anywhere like this yet. I'm like, what? Like this, th- that's not how we do things here in Detroit. This mm-hmm. is how we do things. And you have Steve Eiserman, who is arguably one of the greatest captains of all time. Uh, he's wearing the C. I grew up with Steve, younger than Steve, but in the same city, watching him play, idolizing him, and playing in the summertime with him as I got older. And so I knew what the expectations were of me. I knew what the standard was from the organization. And in that locker room, I knew. 
you look across the room, there wasn't one guy who didn't know his role and didn't go out to execute it to the best of their ability. You wonder why Chris Draper, Kirk Maltby, and Darren McCarty are icons in Detroit. Look at their numbers. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. But they knew they were the grind line. They got out there. They hit everything that moved. They blocked shots. They left it out on the ice. Whether they had lots of talent or no talent, which those three guys, by the way, were, I mean, studs in junior hockey when it comes to scoring points. So the fact that they embraced their role to be a part of the Detroit Red Wings and elevate their standard of play to mm-hmm. to be that fourth line, that says a lot. That I knew before I went in there. I knew what the expectations were. And Ken Holland, to his credit, he told me. He gave me the answers to the <laughs> test, Anthony. T-shirt's coming soon. He did. When he signed me, he said, we, we need a guy like you. We don't really have you. We need a guy that um, other teams don't really like playing against. Get under their skin, get in their face, and we know you've got the skill to play here. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here in Detroit because we don't take guys who can't pass, can't shoot, can't skate. Makes, makes sense. <laughs> doesn't Well, but it doesn't fit the way they play. Mm-hmm. And so I got in there. I knew my role right away. I was, per, I was, per, I was this is great. Sure. I'm going to run around and hit everything that moves. I'm going to block every shot that I possibly can. I'm going to pass the puck tape to tape every time to one of these Hall of Famers and watch them go. So let's move to a different organization. You go to an organization maybe that doesn't have the proper leadership or the the guys that hold you accountable enough. And this is why we didn't succeed when I was with the Ottawa Senators. I went into that organization. Alexi Yashin had just sat out for a full entire season because he wanted to be paid. Now he's back because it's the last year of his contract and he wants to be traded. Radic Bonk and the, the, the Czech Mafia, we called them. They were their own little clique. Hosa, Bonk, Marty Havlat. They're fine with me, but they didn't like other guys and they had, didn't like, you know, they did their own thing. And then you had the Swedish guys who were awesome. I've never met a Swedish guy or a person I didn't like. Nicest people in the world, but not always that aggressive in their personality. On the ice, Daniel Alfredson competed. I mean, he competed hard. But off the ice, you know, a little more loosey. We had a lot of different personalities from different countries, from different areas, whatever it was. It never pulled together for the postseason. And, and it was Jacques Martin, too. He had the great one of the greatest X's and O's coaches I've ever had. No people skills. No buy into what I'm selling. Ever. In fact, he'd leave the room and guys were like, whatever, Jacques. You know? like That speaks to the guys in the room that you're talking about. 100%. The leadership. And so I'm the new guy. And you come in and you're like, you're trying to combat this and raise the standard. And I would go out there and I'd practice so hard. But then they end up hating me. Well, who's this donkey? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're the outsider. And of course, you know, it comes around after a while. Like once you're there for a month or two, and then the guys appreciated that it wasn't just a facade, sure. that this was like every day this is going to happen. So when I go, at least when I go against this guy, I better elevate my game in practice. I don't know about everybody else. And and so that's how you create cultures. You have players and coaches and management that create the expectation for what needs to happen every single day you're at the, the rink, the baseball field, the football field, whatever it is. And when it's not held to the maximum like it should be, someone jumps your ass. Mm -hmm. Whether it's physically, and I don't mean like to fight. I'm not talking about that. In football. Holding them accountable. You tackle them harder. Let them know, hey, pick it up. In practice, hockey, maybe you rub the guy out a little bit. Bam. 
Maybe if you weren't so lazy today, it wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Let them know. Or just grumps, hey, dude, not good enough. Not good enough. Not here, not today, not ever. How do you establish that, though? Because, I mean, you, you're talking about how do you establish it. I, I, let me rephrase. How do you start it? Because you've got a lot of you got a lot of bad organizations, but we're talking about like the standard, right? We talk about Wilson Contreras. Wilson then, Contreras. From an organizational standpoint, you target players that fit the mold. Mm-hmm. You don't, and this is why people get mad at the Cardinals. It, 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 it's not necessarily, and I don't know this. I'm not, I don't know enough about the Cardinals' past players eons ago to right. know. But here is my opinion on this: is that the players that the Cardinals pass on, it's not because of their personality. Well, the Cardinals hate this guy because he's got too much personality. No, it's not that. Look at Lars Newtbar right now. Look at Harrison Bader. I know they traded him, but they traded him for Jordan Montgomery. They had a need. and what? But Harrison Bader, the Cardinals didn't. In fact, they kind of promoted him into a leadership role. It's not the personality that you don't like. It's what comes with it. Mm-hmm. If the personality is that of someone who's just got an abrasive personality to where they're bucking the system the whole time or they're not coachable or they don't work well within the group or they don't ever go out for drinks or food with their teammates and they're on their own program, I don't want that guy. Maybe he's an Oakland A. That's great. He ain't a Cardinal. That's not how we do things. And so for me, every team I played on, I knew right away within a week what the culture was of that team. And it's the standard is set by the higher-ups, what the expectations are, and then they go get the players right. that fit the mold. And in Blue's history here, they've been very lucky that they've always had a really good foundation. There's been some bad teams. We know that. Okay, For the most part, when my career when I started here, it's like 25 or 27 years that we'd made the playoffs. Then we went through the stretch following the lockout, traded Chris Pronger, all that. The team... Wasn't very good. But I can tell you this, Anthony, the culture was good. You had Keith Kachuk, Doug Waite, Barrett Jackman. Like, you had guys there. Right. So you were able to maintain that culture through a really crappy time. And then on the backside of that, you drafted Bacchus, Oshi, Petrangelo, traded for Steen. Whoa! Great accent pieces for the veteran guys who are leaving the game. They hand it off to those guys who now know what the standard is. Yeah. That's how you create the culture. Is it ever the um, ever revolving flow of players that get it and that character wise fit what you're trying to do as an organization? I think as you describe that, Jamie, it's it's one of the reasons why you find yourself in any sport saying why are they always good or why are they always bad. And I've 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 often joked about this in in a variety of ways, of saying there's just certain teams that are are in existence for other teams. Like the Falcons, they're just they're they're in existence, so the Patriots can have their moment, right? The Lions, up until you know this this past year, have just been in, in existence because of Brett, for Brett Favre and for Aaron Rodgers and for you know other teams to uh, you know Dan Orlovsky, great when it comes to breaking down film work and everything like that. But he's the Lions are in existence for moments like that where he steps outside of oh, the yeah. you know, back of the answer. You don't have to be the greatest player to be have high character. No, what I'm saying is. It, it it listening to you talk, Jamie. There's a reason why certain teams stay bad, and there's reasons why certain teams always always tend to tend to be in it. Kerry Davis has often talked about this with the Steelers when he joins. The Steelers have been have seemingly always been good. Now they don't make the playoffs every year, but the the culture is in place. And Kerry was with 
the Colts and he was with the Falcons for a brief period of time. And he, then he gets to the Steelers and is like, oh, this is different. But you know, right? And you like know. Going into it, you already knew. Right. It's like being traded to the Yankees. You know you don't have a beard or long hair. Yeah. That's and I know standard. that's a physical thing, okay? Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about the standard of what the rules of the way you do business sure. within that locker room or that clubhouse. You know what the standard is. And you know when you get traded to an ish show. I knew when I went to the Coyotes. I'm like, eh, we're all over the map. No wonder. This isn't going to be good. No wonder we're in this spot. Right. You know, and even when I was with the Islanders, a rich tradition, a culture of guys, and we were terrible. But the guys had high character. Mm-hmm. People hated playing against us. We held the standard high because of the numbers that were in the rafters and the Stanley Cup banners and those guys that would come down and talk to us, the Clark Gillies, the Bob Nystroms. They would come down and make sure that the culture was being maintained, even though we weren't good. So you don't have to equate wins as being great culture. It's different. It, they're two different things. Right. And eventually, the wins will come if you create the culture properly. The the example that I have, obviously, I, did, I, I didn't have uh, the ability to play in the National Hockey League, like you're saying, or any professional sport, but from a professional standpoint – cutting my teeth in Detroit with the radio station that was the flagship station of the Pistons, I had an opportunity to watch that play out in front of me. And, Jamie, you were there with the Red Wings mm-hmm. at the same time the Pistons came about. Uh, and I'm talking about the Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, that, Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, yep. that team. Energizer Bunny. The one the one that went to uh, the finals and beat the Lakers and then lost to uh, a Spurs team that was a dynasty at the time. That team had what you're talking about, that culture. And they they didn't add Rasheed Wallace right away. He came in, and, of course, Sheed was like this guy that, oh, what are you going to get out of him? And he fit right in because the culture was there. Chauncey Billups worked his ass off, leader, facilitator. Rip Hamilton, young player, knew exactly what his role was. Ben Wallace, you did not want to ever go up against when it came to the – I mean, defensively, he – he was an absolute beast, but the culture was set. And then they had the right coaching staff and the right the, the right GM and everything. You're right, though. The wins eventually came. Mm-hmm. So uh, interesting, fascinating stuff. It's fascinating on 101 ESPN. Let's talk about the latest blue, Kapanen, Kasperi Kapanen. His play last night, whether or not he's here to stay, getting into that next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Here's the issue with him. Pareko should be getting better instead of keeping the same or actually going in reverse. He's not good at getting out of the zone. He's not hitting anybody. He's not doing anything better than what he did a year ago. That's what the issue is. My suggestion, move on. That was Jason. We appreciate the mic drop. He disagreed with us yeah. in our conversation earlier, which is build with him or deal with him. I don't disagree with what he said either. There has been um, either a plateau or a regression of some kind, but across the board. You can't just you can't just cherry pick one player. The regression has been across the board. Right. 
I mean, every single player that you have has taken steps backwards this year, except for maybe Jordan Bennington. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, coming off of last year, he's played. Yeah, he's, yeah, obviously he's played better. And you can talk about you know Tyler Tucker and all this. The, the, I'm talking about guys that were on your roster last year have all either plateaued or regressed mm-hmm. this year. I agree. So he's not wrong. He's not yeah. wrong at all. But but it does offer the bigger the picture. The big yes, the bigger picture of it all. Yeah. As Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stolzer's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Casper Kappen and we got a, we got our first look last night of the newest blue. And this is what Craig Berube thought of Kapanen's performance. He's going to be pumped up for sure. New team and um, you know wanting to impress. You know, I think he's got to understand what's, you know, putting three things, what makes you a good player, you know, using his speed, his shot for sure too, and his skill set. And third is just getting to the hard areas. I thought that last night, like I told him today, he was in the hard areas. He was in the middle of the ice, got some good chances, and that's what he's got to keep on doing. And obviously do your job defensively and things like that. So, you know, we were happy with his game. Yeah, as he should be. I was happy watching him, too. I didn't know what to expect. Heck, he played 19 minutes and 17 seconds. That's a lot for a guy who'd kind of been sitting at home and not playing very much for a Pittsburgh Penguins team. And he brought it right till the end. Mm -hmm. He's out there six on five, making good, smart passes. Probably could have had two goals last night. One, he came in with the Timmy Toe dragged, walking (laughs) the dog right around one of the guys. Guy couldn't find it, and he fired the puck. Unfortunately, the goalie got it, but... You're seeing flashes of, oh, wow, now I get it. Now I know why he was a first-rounder. Right. Now I know why he had success in Toronto. I don't really know why he didn't have success in Pittsburgh yet, but I don't care now. He's a St. Louis Blue, and I'm going to build off of what I saw last night. Yeah, Jamie, maybe you got lost in the shuffle a little bit. I mean, Pittsburgh, you got Evgeny Malkin, you've got Sidney Crosby, you've got Rust, you've got, you know. Got the, a lot of guys. Yeah, these, these guys that... <laughs> Uh, can comprise one of the better teams. I mean, you know, uh, Jason Zucker and uh, Jeff Carter. I mean, you got you got some guys there. So maybe maybe it's just a situation where he gets lost in the shuffle and he gets to a Blues team and all of a sudden capping in with the opportunities. Maybe he feels like he could play more of his game. Jamie, I mentioned this at the start. Two things that I loved. He took he he had four shots on on goal more more than any other player on the Blues, and the Blues have not been shooting. Mm-hmm. It's, and I understand there's a the quality aspect of it. It's not just quantity, but for, I mean, shoot the puck every once in a, a while. He had a couple quality chances too. He Those did are some quality chances. So he had more shots on net than anybody, and he had more blocks than everybody outside of Colton Pareko. And Colton Pareko is a you know say what you want about Pareko, but he my man my man will get in front of pucks. Yep. He's so one when he gets the puck, he's he's willing to take his shots, and two, defensively, he's will he's willing to sacrifice. But two elements I liked. Bigger question I have for both of you is uh, when talking about said player, is he Cappy or is he Casper? I don't know. I hate the the, the nicknames drive me crazy. Well, I don't care right now. I need your opinion. All right. Uh, say them again. Do we go with Cappy or do we go with Casper? I think it's Cappy. I'll go Casper. I think Casper's catchier. He's a ghost out there. No, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like like a hockey nickname, though. You know. But really, do we have to do we have to handcuff ourselves like that? Well, I guess you, you have often the... do. It's just true. So you're mostly by choice, but um, yeah. Hockey, hockey and baseball. I feel like the the nicknames well, are always nickname, a Y or an IE. So my nickname here when I was with the Blues wasn't Ribs. It was Sugar. True story. Why, Jamie? Because I'm so sweet. No, a jo- all jokes aside, yes. <laughs> 
What kind of sugar? Whatever you want, Anthony. Hmm. No, um, Mark Bergevin gave me that nickname. Why, Jamie? Well, okay, quick story. Is I, as you know, you can Google it. I had the long, flowing hair when I first came in as a rookie. Well, Joel Quenville was tired of looking at that. And he basically said, uh, you need to clean yourself up, son. You look like you're going on the road with the band rather than being a hockey player. You want a chance to make it my hockey club? I want to see a different version. And I was wow. Like, okay. Whatever, coach. You know, I was up and down from the minors that year. I was like, fine. So I went and got a haircut. And, of course, at the time, you know, the frosted tips. Those were, yeah. <laughs> so I came back rocking, you know, the the messy hair, short haircut, the messy hair, the bedhead look with the frosted tips. Mm-hmm. And uh, so first day I walked in, and Bergie goes, oh, my God, it's Sugar Riv instead of Sugar Ray, uh, the, the singer okay. back then. I got it. Yep. And uh, That makes sense. So then after that, Sugar Riv got shortened to Sugar. And then it's Suge now. Like when I talked to Al McKinnis or Chris Pronger, anybody was on the, hey, yeah. Suge, how you doing? So wow. it's Sugar. Yeah. So it doesn't have, you don't have to be handcuffed to, you know, Rivs or Rivsy, mm-hmm. Rivy. Imagine not Never playing. Never that one before. I don't know why dumb. I just said that. Imagine not that getting an opportunity to play in the NHL because of a haircut. I think Jamie, uh, he's Ill, he's often illustrated well, some think- of the, the pitfalls of, of playing for uh, Mike Keenan. Yeah, well, this wasn't no, this Keenan. Is, this was this Joel Quinville. Oh, yeah, that's right. You said Quinville. My yeah, bad. I so, just thought I just the way you talk about Keenan. Uh, Keenan a lot. I, I usually have one Keenan a day and wipe my Babcock. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, mm. No, I think the greater thing that Joel Quinville was trying to do there is change my thought process because I'm very I'm an open book as a young player. I came in and um, I enjoyed life to the maximum of my ability. And I think that a lot of that went, the look of the long hair, beard, earrings, tattoos all over me, that wasn't a look. In 1995, 96, that wasn't a look that was common around the league. And so I think Quenville inadvertently, not inadvertently, but maybe directly trying to change maybe my attitude and thought process, clean it up, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and I did. And you know what? That year I... I worked out hard, came back, was in great shape, worked out all season. You know, I was more of a professional that year, and that's where my career took off, man. I had some bumps along the way. Don't get me wrong. No, who doesn't? I mean, I'm only human. Yeah. I'm still only a young man, and, uh, you know. But still, yeah, I, I don't look back and go, what a jerk for doing that. I look back and go, you know what? Things were different back then. It was a little more old school. And they had a way of doing business, and I wasn't doing it the right way. And so I changed. It made a big difference. That's Jamie Rivers. Or sugar. <laughs> sugar ribs. Frosty. Frosty. <laughs> it's fascinating. I want to want to ESPN. I know Frosty. What's, uh, For a lot wh- of different reasons. What's trending is next in the fast lane. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time to find out what's going on in the sports world with What's Trending Now. Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate a car and get tickets to the St. Louis Cardinals. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers. I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Guys, former Georgia star 
Jalen Carter, who's one of the top prospects in next month's NFL draft. He has been charged with reckless driving and racing in conjunction with a crash that killed a teammate and a recruiting staff member. Yeah, it's a sad it's a sad story overall. And now Jalen Carter, as Marsh just mentioned, he's he's charged with racing the the car that crashed and uh had the 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 player that passed away and the recruit recruiting member of georgia pass away uh, jalen carter could go number one overall or or you know that was the the potential for jalen carter who's the best defensive player in this year's draft now he also may fall a little bit or, or the possibility was he was going to fall because the quarterbacks go off the board regardless jamie this isn't a good situation. I think the biggest problem that Jalen Carter is going to find find himself in, and teams, I think that they're, they're going to have the biggest issue with when it comes to Jalen Carter and the situation that happened, the, the the accident and the tragedy that happened, is that he initially told the police that he wasn't there, that he wasn't he wasn't also driving. He heard a crash while at his apartments, came out to investigate, and that's how he wound up there. The truth is that they've got evidence now that he was racing the car that crashed and again caused uh, the fatalities of two people. I'm going to be very careful here uh, because I don't know legally how responsible he is in this situation. Obviously, he's racing another vehicle. I don't know. Did his vehicle hit the other vehicle? Did he? No. The, so they were just racing and the other vehicle crashed. Correct. So I don't. I still don't know what his involvement would be at that point except for lying after yeah he broke the law by speeding and all that stuff i get it reckless driving but he didn't actually yeah i know i understand what you're I don't saying know, he, I'm, he not tr- I'm trying to word it in the right way so i don't get in trouble here i'm not i understand and yeah. i'm not absolving him of any wrongdoing you shouldn't be out doing that stuff you got right. the nfl draft or any just a matter you could kill somebody else who's just an innocent bystander mm-hmm. like do i think it's absolutely stupid what they did yeah it's idiotic, but I'm looking at it. I guess I'm trying to, if we have our legal department on the text line, what is his liability in said situation? Or is it just the fact that he provided false information to the authorities? Well, I think I think that, that would be an issue. And to clarify here, Jamie, in the ESPN story that, that covered this, in a statement posted to social media later today, later Wednesday, Carter said he intends to return to Athens to answer the misdemeanor charges against me and to make certain that the complete and accurate truth is presented. So, so misdemeanor charges? It would charges? be a misdemeanor charge for him. I don't know what what sort of action police, the, the you know, law enforce, enforcement or that county can take against him for lying about. Well, yeah, there's always know, ramifications what it, to yeah. that. Uh, here's my thoughts on it. One, I think it was an idiotic thing for all of them to be doing. Um, the other thought is that as far as him lying and whatnot, he panicked. Yeah, he made a mistake. He panicked. Yeah. He he saw his entire livelihood flash in front of his eyes, uh, panicked. There was a, a crash. I don't know if he knew there was a death at the time. And then even if he found out after, he's probably even more panicked. Uh, what's this going to do to my draft stats? Will I ever right. play in the NFL? Like, have I ruined my life? He probably panicked and lied. Mm-hmm. So no, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it's the wrong thing to do. Yes. But nonetheless, it, it's yeah, a human scared. being who made a massive mistake. Yes. And now there's people that are dead. It's a horrible situation. The other, the I other... feel terrible for the families that are sitting there now having lost loved ones. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
this individual who was part of it, uh, you know, going through what he's going through. And then, I don't know, it's just, I, I hate seeing things like this. The other, the other unfortunate reality here is that police investigators determined that alcohol impairment, racing, reckless driving, and speed were significant contributing factors to the and crash. They prove it. A toxicology report indicated that LaCroix, who was driving the vehicle, he's the recruiter, his blood alcohol concentration was more than twice the legal limit in Georgia at the time of the crash. According to police, he was traveling about 104 miles per hour. However, they the there is an indication uh, initially that Jalen Carter was not drinking. So that's that he was my, racing. That was my initial thought right away. Is is if I'm looking at it from a lawyer's standpoint, that doesn't mean my guy was right intoxicated. And again, all indications were that Jalen Carter was not impaired yeah or, or like this is night. just a massive reminder to well everyone out there to you know try to make better decisions but especially to high school college age kids never mind athletes just kids i think man just right. think i've seen a lot of situations not exactly like this but i i've seen a lot of really bad decisions affect people in a big way 100 percent. and i just got yeah. it yeah it's sad all the way around and you're you're right jimmy you're doing kids and Unfortunately, kids uh, kids do dumb things, yeah. and I'm I'll raise my hand as well. Of course, I, was a kid I think once everybody could everybody probably has. own a certain situation or two in their life where, like, wow, what a dumb thing. You feel invincible. You feel like nothing. You know, you, you might even be somebody that is that, that normally uh, you know holds yourself accountable, even as a young one, or had that drilled into them. Hey, listen, you need to be accountable for your actions. You can still make dumb dumb mistakes, and unfortunately, in this case, two lives are lost. That's what's trending in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. How far can the Cardinals go with our Goldie and Arenado replicating what they did last season? So if they do what they did last season, which was outstanding, by the way, and Goldie won an MVP, Arenado was in the MVP discussion, they merely replicate that. How far can this team go? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado went back-to-back yesterday. Cardinals are looking pretty good thus far this spring. The offense has certainly been clicking. And we know that Goldie will be off to the WBC soon to play for Team USA. Now, last year, these two essentially carried the team. As we know, Goldschmidt wound up winning uh, the MVP. And Arenado finished, what, third in MVP voting. If they duplicate that, how far can this, this team go? Now, you might respond to that and say, well... They didn't do it in the postseason, so it doesn't matter. I understand that. I get I get that aspect of it. And until they erase those questions or those doubts, they're going to be there for some people. For a lot of people. For a lot of people. When it comes to Goldie and Arnado duplicating, replicating what they did last year, Jamie, when it comes to this team, though, how much more dangerous can they be? And this is, of course, it opens up the, the conversation to the what-ifs. The what if Jordan Walker, the what if Tyler O'Neill, the what if, you yep. know, name, name this player, that player. Name your favorite what if player. So what do you think? So here's what I think about the Cardinals and their offense this year. One, you definitely need Goldie and Arenado to be a close version of what they were last year. Close version. You can't expect MVP seasons every year from these guys. It'd be nice, 
Don't get me wrong. But if they're close to what they were last year, I think, great. Contreras has to bring what he historically has done, maybe even elevate. He seems to be really motivated to be a Cardinal. Maybe he elevates a little bit. For me, the rest of the lineup after that, uh, all they have to do is not suck. Really. Like, if you get an... If you get just above above average Tyler O'Neill, above average Dylan Carlson, above average Newport, you just go down the list. You're winning a lot of baseball games. You're a contender. Mm. You literally are a contender. If guys, because of how talented they can be, the what if, if they're just slightly above average, this team will put up crooked numbers. I stand by it. So everybody that and this is just my opinion, but everybody who sits there and talks about, well, we need Tyler O'Neill to be what he was two years ago. We need the best version of it. That's a luxury, man. Yes, I'm here for it. Back my hand up. Yep, I'll take two, please. Thank you. But realistically, not just in their division either. In the National League, if all of these guys that are the what-ifs are just above average, you're going to win a lot of baseball games. Your team's going to be really hard to beat. I think this offense is going to be really good. I do. I th- maybe it's maybe it's just spring. It's the spring training thing. The weather's you know warming up a little bit. It's getting a little bit nicer, and I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just feeling you know really good right now. But when it comes to what the Cardinals can bring to the table, even the most skeptic person, you don't have to squint. If you're being honest, you don't have to squint hard to see this offense coming together. It's not like one of the 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 bad lineups that just have two guys and you say and you're trying to kind of convince yourself that it could be more than what it is let's really look at this objectively Nolan Arnato, Goldschmidt those are your foundation pieces Wilson Contreras can hit we know this he's had he's got the track record he's got a resume that points very favorably to to what he can do offensively Lars Newbar had a really good second half last year post all-star game Lars Newbar was one of your best and most consistent hitters not named Albert Pujols of course when it comes to the rest of the lineup Tyler O'Neill has pop and speed. Uh-huh. Understand, I'm not saying that he's going to have a great year, but he has pop and speed. Dylan Carlson, thus far, has looked like a player that is driving the baseball more. This is somebody with gap-to-gap ability. Doubles. He's a doubles hitter, and he's got a little speed. You round it out with guys like Tommy Edmond who now takes over as the guy that kind of takes the professional at-bats. He used to be Yachty, right? He takes a professional at-bat. Somebody that can work counts, get on base, or he can jump a first-pitch fastball and drive it out of the yard. We've seen that with Tommy. Brendan Donovan is the ultimate gnat. Doesn't worry about power, doesn't need to. You've got power in this lineup. You've got guys that, again, that can that can be gap-to-gap hitters. Brendan Donovan is the perfect accent piece for this lineup. And then you get into Yepes and Gorman, and at the very least, while they, you know, Gorman especially, has got to cut down on the strikeouts, and he's got to have a better plate approach, which is not uncommon for any young hitter. He has pop. I think this offense is going to be pretty good this year. I realize there's a lot of ifs. I understand. But this is finally an offense that, that can lengthen throughout. It wasn't that long ago where I thought, Jamie, and I've used these words, you got a lot of holes in the back back half of that lineup. You've, there's a lot of outs in the back half of the lineup. Dunk used to talk about that a lot. As a pitcher, when, you look, when you look at a lineup, you could say, a year, I was talking about a year ago, two years ago. Okay. 
Who are your odds? So you're well, asking this yeah, year? Okay. No, I mean last year. Last year was a little more a little more difficult. The year before was not. There's too many. There was too more. There was too many outs two yeah, years ago. Passed a cleanup hitter two years ago. Every guy was in play. For exactly. Him. If I can manage a couple of mine, you know, minefields here that's the top of the order. Uh-huh. I know where my outs are if I'm a pitcher. This year, it depends on who's who's struggling. You know, Tyler O'Neill is somebody that is you know throw 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 off speed to him. He has gotten himself out before. When it comes to guys like Gorman and Yepes and Dylan Carlson, those guys you you can you can look at where you you know there, there's some outs there. But if I'm looking at it with the band of the shift and all that, I think that the Cardinals are going to benefit from some of the rule changes. And here's an interesting text from the six one eight said the Cardinals bench is also crazy deep. Most of those guys would start for a lot of the teams in the league. That's a really good point. It is a good point. So, look at spring training. We're optimistic because I think it's good to be optimistic based on the upside of what you have on your roster. If you're looking at your roster and you're like, there is no way. This guy sucks. This guy can't. If you have that that rolls off your tongue right away, the then it's it's not you can't be very optimistic you can't be very excited to watch the games or there's not much to look forward to. Right. I think there's a whole lot of things to look forward to with this Cardinal team. I'm excited to watch all of it kind of evolve and work itself out and I'm hoping that all of it ends up being in a positive way. It won't. I mean it's pro sports. Not everybody's going to be on at the same time, but for me I think there's a lot of positives in this lineup. It's going to be fun to watch. I think when you look at other lineups, Jamie, too, when you're looking at like a veteran lineup or one that's cobbled together based on like free agents, that's where you can get to the ceiling pretty quickly. You say to yourself, okay, well, this play, this player, if you're looking at it, kind of an, maybe an older lineup, you say, we know exactly what this player is. And some, some skeptical Cardinals fans may say, we, I do know exactly what Dylan Carlson is. All right, great. Maybe you're clair- clairvoyant. But I don't know how anybody else could say, yeah, we know exactly what Carl Carlson is. Or even O'Neill, for that matter. If he's healthy. Yeah. That's a big if. Newpar, do you know exactly what he is? And I'm not I'm not ruling out the other side of this. I'm not. I'm not saying that, you know, it's only upside. With up with high upside in young players, there's also a Spring downside. Training. Here. We have to be positive, Anthony. But you understand, we're what I'm like saying. every team in the league. We have a World Series opportunity. It's not like you have a bunch of players <laughs> one through nine that you're like, I know exactly what you are, and that's that. That can be a little nerve wracking, but it can also lead to us again talking about the upside. So I want to ask you a quick question based off a text message we got, Anthony, okay. from the five seven three, who's not yelling at me. So I don't know, uh, which is positive. I'll take that. It says we lost Pujols, gained Contreras. Contreras will not match what Pujols did last year. Goldie and Arenado will likely take a step back. How is this offense better? And I don't think it's a snarky comment. I think it's a legit question. As they're looking at it, is how do you how? I guess they're asking us how do we really believe that the offense could be better? I go back to what I just said. Do you know exactly what Large Newpar is over the course of an entire season? Do you know what a healthy Tyler O'Neill brings to the table? Do you know what a, a healthy, productive Dylan Carlson brings to the table? Second full season with Brendan Donovan. That would be my that would uh, fair. That's fair. Do you I think know, it's a real. I think does, it's a real question. Can you tell me it is? 
Can you tell me exactly if Jordan Walker is going to be on this team or not? No, not yet. Because we could play both games, right? That is a fair question to ask. Okay, you only replaced Pujols, but you you didn't even do that because he had a historic second half. Fine. What is Wilkes, Wilson, Contreras for an entire season? You also replace Wilson as Contreras a too. as a cardinal, but you can, you also replace Wilson Contreras. Who who did you who did you replace? People want to people want to do the comp to to Pujols. Pujols only had a great second half, and it was a historic second half. Yeah, what are you doing the first half? Uh, it was tough. It was borderline where he thought about retiring. Okay, almost, so like leaving early. There, That's my understanding of it. There's the Pujols. There's the Pujols comp. Who did you actually replace with 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 Contreras? Oh, feel, Yachty. And Andrew Kisner. And Kisner. One of the least productive. But I understand it because I, I can't sit here and do that. I, you're right in what you're saying, but I was the first one to say, how did you replace Albert Pujols? Like, sure. So, okay, but I'm, answer, right. I'm answering that. You're right. You had, at the catcher spot last year, one of the least productive positions in all of baseball. So, yes, you can bring up Pujols and his second half. I understand that. But if we're really going to play this game, you have to also look at the fact that, in no offense to one of the greatest Cardinals in Yadier Molina, but you replay, you're, you're also replacing some of the worst production in Major League Baseball last year at the catcher position well, he was with an Wilson out. Contreras. He was so an was Kisner. Out for a while there. Kiz Daddy played a lot. Yeah. Kiz Daddy didn't, didn't come up big, did he? So we can we can play both games. So uh-huh. if you're confident in the fact that the Cardinals didn't really replace Pools' production, they were, or they just met it, go a little further. You're skeptical. I get it. I'm. I actually think I don't the think produ- this texture was skeptical. I actually feel like it was just a legit question of like, well, how do we how do we get to that spot where we're saying this offense is better? Sure. I, I feel like it was actually. Like inquisitive, I, I not snarky. I understand that. I yeah. understand that. That would be my response. What I just said. Yeah. All right. It's Fast Lane on One Hundred and One ESPN. We will get the gauntlet next. We're right back to the Fast Lane podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on One Hundred and One ESPN. Can you survive the gauntlet? Time for the gauntlet in the fast lane on 101 ESPN, where it's 403. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter, and we have another Andrew on the line right now. What's up, Andrew? Hey, how you doing? Doing great. First time, or have you been in the gauntlet before? Uh, I've only ever played listening to the radio. I've never actually been able to call in. How do you typically do? Uh, uh, not, not too bad. Hockey's probably my, my worst of the four, Okay, but, uh, usually, usually not too bad. All right. Well, let's see if not too bad wins you, uh, the first leg of the gauntlet today. Would you like to take on Andrew Marsh, Jamie Rivers, or myself today? Uh, if memory serves me correctly, I believe Marshy is the one that sometimes struggle to close things out. So in the anticipation that I can close, that I can get to Friday, I want to save Marsh for Friday, so I'll take Stalter on today. That's not, wow. a, that's not a bad choice. I've been struggling big time. So, All right, Andrew. Good luck, man. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Anthony's going to head to the Kona Silence. Our guy Marshy has got the wheel prepped and set up. So, Andrew, all you have to do 
is say, hey, Marshy, spin that wheel. Hey, Marshy, spin that wheel. That was aggressive, Marshy. What can I say? I mean, he was, he was. I know. It's aggressive, though. I, I, I'm sorry, Marsh. All right. Sorry. Slowing down. All right. <laughs> which category, just out of curiosity, Andrew, which category would you not want to get? Uh, hockey would probably be at the top of that list. All right. Well, guess what? Good news. It's not uh, hockey. It's random. Hey, all right. We got oh, random okay, trivia right. today against Anthony Stalter, and I'm opening up our launch codes here right now. It's hard to get open sometimes. All right, there we go. Marshy, here's your copy. So Anthony is currently 0-2 in the random category. There you go. The listeners like are 6-2. So okay, okay, so here's how it goes. Each question is worth two points. If you don't use the options and you answer correctly, you get points. If you use the options, answer correctly, you get one point. And of course, if you don't answer it correctly at all, you get no points. Andrew, are you ready to go? Yes, sir, I am. All right, here we go. Random is the category question one. How many miles are in a marathon? How many miles are in a marathon? That'd be 26.2 miles. Final answer. All righty. Question number two. The last time Mizzou made the NCAA men's basketball tournament was in 2021. Who do they fall to in the first round of the tournament? Oh, I have to be. I'm not. I'm not a Missouri fan, so you're gonna have to give me the options on this one. Is it Texas Tech, Virginia, or Oklahoma? I. Uh, you said 2021. Yep. Um, I think it was Oklahoma. I'm gonna say Oklahoma. Final answer. All right. Let's get on to question three. Tennessee and Missouri both hold the record for most states bordering them. How many different states border the state of Missouri? Um, you got Illinois, Arkansas, Kansas, Iowa. I'm going to say five. Final answer. All right. Final question, Andrew. Which U.S. president owned 48 pets, including a hyena? <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> Talk about random trivia. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely need the options on this one. Was it Grover Cleveland, Andrew Jackson, or Theodore Roosevelt? Ooh, Theodore Roosevelt did a lot, I believe, with the National Park, so that might make sense sense but uh you know what i'm gonna say uh i'm gonna say grover cleveland final answer it's pure shot in the dark all right andrew all right let's get anthony back in here he's in the cone of science we'll bring him back here random is always very random now we're not going to say anything we're going to let anthony come in here as he enters the studio very slowly. Just taking today. his time. I don't even understand why he's selling an individual who moves that slow, but that's fine. All right, he's got his ears plugged in. Anthony, how you doing? Good. Good, good. You ready to go? Yeah. Better pack a lunch, my friend. Son of a, okay. Okay, Anthony. Question one. How many miles 
are in a marathon. I don't know. Can I have the options, please? Yeah. Is it uh, 22.6, 24.2, or 26.2? 26.2. Final answer. Question number two, Anthony. The last time Mizzou made the NCAA men's basketball tournament was in 2021. Who did they fall to in the first round of the tournament? Florida State. Final answer. Wow. All right, Anthony. Question three. Tennessee and Missouri both hold the record for most states bordering them. How many different states border the state of Missouri? Border the state of Missouri. That's a great question. You got Illinois. You've got Arkansas. You've got Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, Kansas. Is it five or is it six? Is Kentucky and Tennessee doing? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go five. Final answer. Final question, Anthony. Which U.S. president owned 48 pets, including a hyena? Wow, I don't know. That's a good <laughs> trivia question. Can I have the options, please? You sure can. Was it Grover Cleveland, Andrew Jackson, or Theodore Roosevelt? Wow. I feel like Teddy Roosevelt would have a bunch of a bunch of uh, animals, but I don't think it's Andrew Jackson. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go Grover Cleveland. Grover Cleveland, final answer. All right, let's go over these. Let's start right there. Which U.S. president owned 48 pets, including a hyena? Andrew took the options. Said Grover Cleveland. Although Andrew did say, you know, Theodore Roosevelt, he was involved with a lot of the the parks and stuff. That's why he's on Mount Rushmore. But he went with Grover Cleveland. Anthony, you took the options. After saying, I feel like Theodore Roosevelt. (laughs) I think you're setting us up, Andrew. And you said Grover Cleveland. The answer is... I feel like you should have went with Theodore Roosevelt because that's the answer. Teddy Roosevelt is the answer. Both of you staltered yourselves. Uh, Yeah, we did. All right. Score is uh, 0-0 after one. Let's go to question number two. The last time Mizzou made the NCAA men's basketball tournament in 2021, who did they fall to in the first round of the tournament? Andrew. You took the options. You said Oklahoma. Anthony, you didn't take the options. You said Florida State. Final answer. Answer is? It's Oklahoma. Okay, Oklahoma. Our guy Andrew up one nothing. Was Florida State the, year, the previous tournament? I don't know, Anthony. I thought maybe I you got know. the colors confused. Oh, yeah, you know probably. what? Probably. They both have Porter. like maroon. That was when Michael Porter law played and... That would have been uh, oh, yeah. 2018. Yeah, probably. Yep. Mm. Okay, so let's go to question three. Tennessee and Missouri both hold the record for the most states bordering them. How many different states border the state of Missouri? Andrew, without the options, you said five. Anthony, without the options, you said five. The answer is... It's eight. Eight. 
They are Illinois, Iowa, Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Nebraska. Oh, wow. So, after three, it's one nothing. <laughs> Andrew, final question wow, of the day. How many miles are in a marathon? Andrew, you said 26.2. Anthony, you said 26.2. Andrew? I know I lost, but give me one point. You have chosen wisely. Did I get a point? Andrew did not need the options. I don't care. Did I get a point? You got a point. Answers 26.2. Andrew comes out with the victory 3-1 to today. Good job, Andrew. Nice job, Andrew. Awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. That's great. I'll read you back tomorrow then, buddy. All right. That means I'm taking you tomorrow, Rivers. Whoa. Calling your shot. I like it. I like it. Let's hope hope it lands on hockey. No, I really hope it doesn't land on hockey. <laughs> <laughs> I probably will. Oh, All right, buddy. Thanks a lot, man. Nice Thanks job, for playing. Andrew. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much. You guys are awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you very Thank much. You. You're awesome. At random trivia. Oh, that was okay. a tough one, guys. So if we go over this, uh, Andrew actually could have been way more dangerous because he did say Theodore Roosevelt right away, mm-hmm. and he did second-guessed himself. He hit that 26.2. I barely got the question out for the marathon. I feel like I should that's... have asked him if he's if he runs marathons. Because I was like, yeah, how many miles in a marathon? He goes, 26.2 final answer. Wow. That's I was awesome. Like, what the? I feel like that's common knowledge for most people. Not me. Not uh, me. But I feel like that's common knowledge I for a lot of people. I don't think I would have got the point, too. I knew it was 26 miles. Mm-hmm. See, but I here I'm gonna out myself a little bit here. Uh one, I'm not much a marathon runner. Um and I thought marathons could, like, vary in how long they are. Oh, really? I thought that, like, well, because some of them, oh, yeah. that's a harder marathon than this one. Well, yeah. why is it harder? If it's, all, if it's all the same stuff. Right. Like, I understand there's terrain and all sure, that Sure, yeah. That's I thought there was distance. Yeah. I learned something today, Anthony. Ah, me too. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? The more I think about it, the 13.1 bumper stickers, that's the half marathon people. That, you know, they put the bumper sticker Would on there. So you just times that? that by two, and boom, you got 26.2. Are you, are you proud of that, though? Like, are you, are you really one. like, hey, I, I, ha- I half did it? I haven't even thought. Here's the thing. I haven't even thought about doing a marathon, <laughs> no, but let alone actually doing a half. I'm asking minute. the question. If you're a 13.1 bumper sticker person. I'm sure they're proud of it, yeah. It's still an accomplishment. Yeah-ish. Oh, Jamie. I can't run 13.1 miles. I'm not even alluding to that. My knees would fall apart, my feet yeah. would break, and I'd be done. I'd be crying. I might make a mile, let mm. alone 26.2. Yeah. Uh, and the, the 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 eight states, that one boggles me. That that one there is very surprising. I, had, I think we had it one time before. I think Meat, when Meat was still here on Randall. Yeah, that one. And we were blown away again. We even pulled up the map and looked, and we're like, oh, my God. I was debating whether or not Kentucky and Tennessee both touched the, I, the border. I was just in Kentucky. I forgot about Nebraska. And we had to, we went through Indiana to get to Louisville. So yeah. I, in my head, I'm like, what? Kentucky? But then it does. Right. It's a little sliver of it. Son of a. Yep. All right. Uh, well, I lost today in the gauntlet, but that doesn't mean that you're going to lose 
in the Arch Madness ticket giveaway. That's right. Right now, we have your chance to score a pair of single-session passes to the 2023 State Farm Missouri Valley Conference Men's Basketball Tournament. It's the 33rd annual MVC tournament. They're going to take the court tomorrow, and the tournament runs through March 5th, which is Sunday, at Enterprise Center. You can find more details out at 101ESPN.com. Here's your trivia question. you got to be the 101st texter to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. I was in attendance for this game. This one was wild. Northern Iowa, 2016, in the conference basketball tournament, Arch Madness. They beat Evansville in the title game. Who hit this shot? Pulls up the jumper. It's on the way. It's in. It's in. You and I is going to the big dance, baby. Who hit that shot? Who we called should, it or who uh, hit it? I was about to say we probably should have done the who called the get. That, so that was that was meat. That was, that our, was guy. our guy meat. It, uh, highly talented play-by-play guy. And he was calling that game. But who hit the shot for Northern Iowa to beat Evansville? If you have the correct answer and you're the 101st texter, 314-399-9646. That's our Air Comfort Service text line. You're going to go to Arch Madness this weekend. Jeremy Rutherford next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Joining us right now via the Brown and Crewman Celebrity Line is our guy, our, I always screw this up a little bit, uh, Jamie Rivers, JR, Jeremy Rutherford. It's Jeremy Rutherford right now. What's up, JR? Nothing. I'll take that mix up anytime. Yeah, I should just start calling yeah, I'm Jamie offended. Sugar. It's weird how that works. <laughs> Jamie, Jamie's offended. Yeah. Jr. Have you ever uh, run a marathon? You know, uh, I have never run the point two. Because <laughs> we have some people that are are upset with me because I said. Why the hell would you be proud of running a half marathon, 13.1 miles? Like, oh, I ran half of it. And then I, I just started diving deeper into that. And I'm like, where do you start? Do you start at the starting line and then halfway through, they're like, bye, <laughs> they handpick you, you're done, you're halfway done, here, leave? Or do you start uh, halfway mark and then you get to cross the line? I don't get it. Uh, it's just golf. Like, what's the difference whether you play holes 1 through 9 or 10 through 18, right? Start wherever. But no, when you said that, I was kind of grimacing. I was like, just think about all the people driving around St. Louis listening to the show. Love the show. They got their 13.1 sticker on the back, and now <laughs> we lost them. If they trained yeah, a little harder, they could have a 26.2 sticker. <laughs> oh, ja- yeah. Jamie's cost us listeners today. <laughs> just today? Yeah. Hey, That's uh, a good just point. A, just a quick one on that. Uh, years ago, I was covering a 10K race downtown for the post-dispatch. My car was in the shop. I needed somebody to drop me off, and so I put my shorts and T-shirt on, and I get dropped off uh, somewhere near the race, and I wasn't near the finish line, so I had to start jogging and trying to find the finish line so I could interview the winners. And so I turn the corner, and all of a sudden, everybody thinks I'm in the race. (laughs) (laughs) You did it, man. He's not even sweating. JR has a trophy at home. Yeah. (laughs) I come come around the corner, and all I hear is uh, 30 people clapping and chanting, USA, USA. That's awesome. (laughs) That's great. I did it. That's uh, incredible. I would have played that up through water on my face. Like, oh, that was a tough one. I trained for this, though. <laughs> Look at that guy. Look at him go. 
Uh, JR, we're going to do something a little different today. How do you feel about taking some mic drops from listeners? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. It's got right, to be better than uh, your guys' question. Oh, you are so okay, correct. I don't know why you had to insult us. I don't us, know but why he went there either. Nonetheless. I just was laughing about his marathon thing. Here's Isaac. If all players have taken a step back this year, if there's a regression across the board, doesn't that indicate that there's a problem with the system? If all players are affected, then that doesn't that indicate something larger than, well, the players just aren't playing as well this year? It doesn't seem like a coincidence. What do you think, JR? Yeah, I think a lot of things have come together to make this a season that, you know, people are turning off their TV. It's a fair question. You know, I think they're going to have to revisit in the offseason maybe some of the things that they're trying to do uh, strategy-wise. And as Doug Armstrong said last year, he said, you know, Craig and I need to be on the same page in terms of what type of player we're putting in this system. Uh, but I think if you look at it, it's a regression from the means from where they were playing last year. The special teams was so good, and it covered up a lot. You know, five on five wasn't great. So this year you get to it, the special teams hasn't been great. It's put a lot of pressure on the five on five, and a lot of guys have underachieved this season. So, you know, if you're doing a pie chart and you're saying what percentage is what the, what the caller is talking about here, the system and, and guys not playing it well, maybe you got the wrong situation. You know, yeah, probably – 20%, but I think it's just a part of the big pie. All right, one more one more mic drop. Here's James. In regards to Colton Pareko, if I were the GM, can we get Larry Robinson back to help come in and talk to Colton again and work with him? It seemed like when Larry Robinson was part of the organization, Colton Pareko actually played up to his size. It's tough. He had one bad year. The contract is not great. Um, I think I would try to trade Tory Krug first. And if I couldn't get a deal done there, and if teams were still calling about Colton Preco, then I would probably trade him and, you know, free up the salary cap there. So a little context for you, Jar. We asked people today, after giving our opinions, build with Colton Pareko or trade him at the deadline. So that was James, again, a little context. That was James responding to us asking for mic drops on that topic. Yeah, no, I, I've uh, touched on this before, but it, this uh, is good. It's worth repeating here. When Larry Robinson left the organization just a couple of years ago, we're not allowed to talk to him while he's employed by the Blues. You know, the rules are you listen to uh, what the head coach has to say and kind of the rest of the advisors and assistants are off limits. So when Larry left the organization, I gave him a call and wrote a story about it at The Athletic, and I specifically asked him, you know, what is Colton Preco doing that, uh, you know, you guys need to kind of magnify or pull out of him or, or make him better in certain areas? And he wasn't overly frustrated but he said listen Jeremy we've we've tried to do a number of things Colton is the type of player that he is I don't know that you can make him any better in those certain areas that people want to see it and so he was you know thinking along the lines of we've tried to do everything we can with what we know to tell him so I don't even think Larry Robinson coming back you're going to see a different type of player you know do you want to build around Colton Pareko or do you want to move on from him I think you can have him on your roster. I think he can be a good player for you. Are you bringing Jay Bolmeister out of retirement to play with him? Because it seems like that's the only partner that's really, really gelled with him and pulled out the best. Now, granted, that's a little bit unfair because that was a great team and other people are helping. But just with whatever partner they've put him with the last little while, it hasn't worked. And finally, I'll say this. You know, there's a lot of focus on Colton Preco right now. And people are saying, hey, it's not necessarily him. What about Tory Krug? What about Nick Letty? Those guys, too. But look, Tory Krug, where's the interest? Are people calling Doug Armstrong and saying, give me some Tory Krug? He's been banged up. 
you know, situation with Nick Letty. He hasn't played well either. So focus shouldn't be entirely on Colton Preco, but he's the guy who's drawn a little bit of interest. All right, JR. So uh, we haven't had your thoughts yet on the debut of Kasperi Kapanen last night. Um, you know, I, we've talked to, about it already today. Craig Berube addressed it. I thought it was a, a, a fairly, actually a very positive debut for the young man. But, you know, you've watched a ton of hockey and wanted your thoughts. Yeah, very good debut. Really good. You know, a lot of criticism of him when he came over. Why didn't it work out in Pittsburgh? Uh, but you play, what, 19 minutes? He led the team in it with uh, four shots. I think he had three block shots. A lot of adrenaline. A lot to prove there. My thing today is continue to show it. Like, let's not see this be a one- or five-game thing. And I asked Craig Bruby that specifically after practice today. How can he keep this up, Briv? And what Craig Bruby said, you can imagine, he said he's got to continue to play to his strengths. He's a good skater. He can shoot. We saw those things last night. Go to the net. Craig Bruby said today that I went to Kapanen, and I said, go to the net. That's what we need from you. Be that type of player. So we'll see. Yeah, you got to give him some time, but it was a real good debut. JR, great stuff as always. We appreciate you, especially the fact that uh, you took full advantage of running a .2 marathon. Yeah. Yeah, and I needed a break. I had to sit down in between (laughs) that. uh, (laughs) USA, USA. No, thanks for that. You guys are good to talk to you. We'll holler at you later. All right, sounds good. That's our guy, Jeremy Rutherford, with The Athletic, our Blues Insider here on 101 ESPN. What players thus far? has impressed us in spring training. We'll get to that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. impressed us thus far in spring training before we get into that congratulations to jason from cape gerardo he had the correct answer to our trivia question today regarding arch madness who hit the shot for northern iowa at the buzzer to beat evansville in the missouri valley conference tournament in 2016 jamie i happened to be in attendance for that game and it was fun yeah it was why why because of this Pulls up the jumper. It's on the way. It's in. It's in. You and I is going to the big dance, baby. Hear that emotion? You heard me there in the background, Jamie. Very much. That so. was Wes Washburn who hit the game winner. Wow. For Northern oh, Iowa. So, that's a tough question today, but Jason knew it. He was the hundred uh, first texture of the tax line, and nice job. So is that congrats. you crying in the background? No. Oh, there's no crying. Tears of joy. The tears of joy. Well, maybe. Yeah. That wow, sounds... that was a beautiful call. Absolutely. It's a beautiful shot. Nice job by Meat there. Brad Barnes, our, our guy, a former teammate here on 101 ESPN. All right. Uh, so who has impressed you the most this far in spring training, Jamie? For the Cardinal Alleys. Well, I haven't seen everybody. Uh, like. Well, why not? A lot. Uh, Brendan Donovan. He's impressed me. I'm not surprised by that. Like, are you looking for someone who kind of surprisingly is impressing me, or that just overall? I want to know the player that you so far, even though it's early, go. Wow. Okay. Look George, at so and so. Jordan Walker. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Really? I mean, you know, he, he's had the moonshot there, and then he's had a couple of good defensive plays. And when I watch him, um, I think it was it was yesterday or today. I 
you know, they all blend together. But there was a, a, a fly ball out center field. He goes over to the wall. It wasn't like a Jim Edmonds-type catch, you know, it wasn't, but it was a solid defensive play. And then just watching him trot back to the dugout, that guy's just an absolute unit. <laughs> He's just a <laughs> unit. I'm like, oh, my God. You are a man-child, son. It's like a defensive end for... The Green Bay Packers, like this guy, it and he's out there running around, tracking balls down, and you know, hitting massive home runs. So, to me, I'm impressed. What is it so far? Yeah, you know, I don't know. We'll find out. But it's, it's a good start, is what it is. It's impressed me. Yeah, my guy is Dylan Carlson. I think he's been impressive thus far. Even the balls that have been put in play that have been outs have come off the have come off the bat in a lively fashion. Uh, somebody that you know with his. He's got, he doesn't have great speed. He's got a very good speed. He's got above average speed. But somebody that already we know plays plays a really good outfield. He can play all three spots, but he needs to hit. And thus far, he had talked about recently adding calories to his diet so that he could add strength. He wants to bulk up. A yeah, he wants to bulk up. Have, that, have his legs underneath him throughout the course of the season. So, offensively, <laughs> bless me. As I sneeze, uh, I had, I heard, you know, it was coming, Jamie, and I'm like, I, I saw don't, you go, and you I thought him. you just let me carry the ball, then, and then you come back and say, excuse me. Uh, that's what, well, that's why I stopped, Jamie. I know, but I was going to say to something, in. but. Supposed to jump in, man. Where were you on that one? Oh, Bless wow. you. My gosh. Like Happy Gilmore's caddy right you now. You really create a lot of force with that nose. Well, of course, Jamie, you know all about all that. All the blinds moved, mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. And that's like next door. It's funny. <laughs> Dylan Carlson's been the most impressive for me. How about you, Marsh? Who have I, you who have you liked watching this uh this spring? Well, there's You're been a, a few Jamie. games. There's been a few games on, on TV, and you know, I, I watched the first full game, uh, and then you know, periodically uh, you know, in the uh past few days. But every time I'm watching the games, man, Brendan Donovan is just BD. hitting dingers. Hitting dingers and Running to first base full force. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see what he can bring in the regular season because we saw what he could do last year. If he can add some pop to his game, I think he's going to have a great season. He's watching his at bats are fun, even though you you've got a a really good idea that he's not going to drive the ball out of the park. I feel watching him work. Talking about watching him work. Well, I'm talking about the fact that he doesn't have a lot of power, Jamie. Well, that's insulting. Okay, I love I love watching him work work at bats and frustrate a pitcher. He makes me feel like at any point, like he could get a base hit. Like you know what I'm saying? Like there's guys that obviously are great players, but you know you know sometimes they might you know bounce out or whatever to short and whatnot. But like every time he's up there, like this guy at any point he he get a base hit just because of the way that he works a count Mm -hmm. and or at least get on base. Or just drive the pitch count up. Period. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. like that's the thing. Last year for me, there was a very noticeable early in the season was just how annoying he was, and we talked about it all season long, and we're still talking about it. How pitchers might get up in the count on them. It might be zero and two. All of a sudden, it's full count. All of a sudden, there's twelve pitches later. All of a sudden, then you've walked them on fourteen pitches, and you're sitting there ticked off. Right. Like how did that happen? Yeah. And so. Uh, he, to me, he's a blue-collar type baseball player. He gets after it. I, I like watching him play. But real quick, guys, um, text line, more than one, bringing up Nolan Gorman so far. 
Uh, I got to admit, I haven't seen a lot of Nolan Gorman, but I have heard positive reviews. Um, for you guys, is it something where you're looking at it going, okay, I see a different product right now? I'm with you, Jamie. He's one He's one guy that while I, I intend to watch a lot more, I haven't seen a whole whole ton of yet. So, you know, I'll, I'll certainly key, on, key in on it, but... He's somebody that we've talked about, and that, that it's been broken down. He's got to he's got to stop chasing the high fastball. He's got or or get around on it and make pitchers pay mm-hmm. so that they don't they don't go upstairs on him. But Nolan Gorman, we know, has the power. Nolan Gorman didn't make enough adjustments last year in order to flash that power more. And this is just what we talked to Matt Holiday last week. Mm-hmm. What's the one common theme of young players when they? They tend to do well, and they tend to struggle. And Matt told us, and I'm paraphrasing, but Matt told us the ability to make adjustments. Somebody's going to adjust to you. They're going to find your holes. What can you do to adjust? And I think that's going to be Gorman's biggest strength this year or his biggest downfall, whether or not he understands where his holes are, Jamie, and he covers them up for pitchers. You get it. That's probably a wise idea. Mm -hmm. We got a text from the 636. Lots of great hitting. Must be that new hitting coach. I know we, any we, we joke around and, you know, oh, Jeff Albert, you know, he couldn't hack it here in St. Louis because of social media. And what voice whatever. are you doing there? I don't know. but um, I thought it was Jeff Albert's mullet that set him apart from the team. I didn't think well, the guys that, were drawn to it. I mean, you much. had a mullet and you had to cut it? Get the, I know? did. Mm-hmm. And that was that in the mid-90s, a, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. But, like, to, to be real about it, like, how much – do you believe that the difference of having a different hitting coach is affecting some of these young guys? Listen, Marsh, you heard me earlier. You know I'm high on this offense now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you get you a believe. Hit, I believe. When you get a different hitting coach coming in and, and sitting everybody down and saying, guys, here's our game plan this year, okay? I don't care if you're Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, or Paul DeYoung. This is our plan. We are going to put the ball in play more, and we're going to score runs, and that's your game plan? I'm sorry, Marsh. People, listen. And what Jeff Albert was doing was probably sitting everybody everybody down and not having a really strong game plan for hitting. He's probably telling them things like, hey, don't worry about strikeouts. It's fine. It's just another out. And clearly that was an issue. Hitting coaches, guys, are basically like offensive coordinators. Everybody's got to listen to them. Everybody's got to get on the same page, and there's going to be a coordinated plan. I've been listening. Thank you, Janet. And Jeff Albert, clearly not a good play caller. Thank you for that breakdown. Sports Six back next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Answer the question. Answer the question. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Schlafly Beer, the original St. Louis craft brewery. Time for the Sports Six Pack in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. By the way, uh, our our guy Kerry Davis, uh, I was talking to him before the show. CD was giving us a little crap, Jamie. What? Yeah, he goes, hey, uh, when did the sports six-pack turn into the sports four-pack? You guys can't handle a six-pack anymore? I said, 
What? No, Carrie. Carrie Davis is sitting there insulting our radio show? Actually, he says he's a big fan, but he just doesn't understand why we can't do a six pack anymore. Weren't you guys just pumping his tires today? Literally, all we did, and we defended Carrie, too. We defended Carrie of a bad take made by another one of our 101 teammates. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. And this is what we get? And this is is the payback we get. Okay, Carrie Davis. I see you here. All right. Love you, CD. Yeah, love you, too. Question number one. From the 636, Anthony and everyone else, that's what it says. If they remember, what was the first sports bet you can remember making? I could tell you right now. It was with my uncle uh, when I was like 10, if you can believe that. What odds did he give you? Straight. It was, it was, I think it was a straight up play. <laughs> it was a playoff game. Football. You're 10 years old. I think it was 10. 10 11. I'm dead serious. What was the game? You have to remember. Come I know. Exa- no, I know exactly. Let's go. Let's party. It was, it was a playoff game. Uh huh. He took the Saints. What year? 1991. Okay. Saints were at home. Yeah. Hosting a divisional rival in the in the postseason. Which which rival? The Atlanta Falcons. Oh. In '91. Chris Miller, Dion. Yeah. Michael Haynes. I don't know if Ryzen was on the team yet. Well, you still a cult. His house had just gotten burned down by his girlfriend. I think, there. That, was, I think that was a year or two oh, later. Left eye. I think that was two later. Yeah, it was. It was ninety-two or ninety-three because my brother was playing down in Atlanta mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah, Jerry Glanville was a coach. Yeah. Oh yeah. Old black f- cowboy hat. And the Falcons upset the Saints. Yeah. And uh, was your bet actually on the Falcons though? Yes, it mm-hmm. was. Okay. Yep. They won, and I've had issues ever since, both as a football fan and as a uh, somebody that uh, wagered. So, thanks. Glad we brought this up. But no, that's that was that's the truth. I was a Falcon. I was a Falcon fan ever since. I'm like, this team's awesome. That's, that's Little did I know they were terrible wow. forever. They've do been you, terrible. Do you remember Jamie? Obviously, you couldn't make sports bets while you were playing. Yeah, I didn't really do a lot of wagering. I. I hate losing too much, so gambling is not something that is healthy for me. Mm-hmm. Not just, honestly, I get so angry, and uh, so I, I I will do it for fun. Like when we go to Vegas, like I'll have a certain amount of money where I know I'm like I'm okay losing this. Mm-hmm. And the last time I went to Vegas, end up winning, not a lot, but you know, four hundred fifty bucks or whatever. It was better than losing it. But I had earmarked if I lose five hundred dollars while I'm in Vegas for. A week. Eh, big deal. Not big deal, but you know what? I'm willing to accept that. If I lost 501, I would be furious. Mm-hmm. And I would then, that's where the the problem starts. Because I'd be like, you're not beating me. Dealer, change out another 100. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's where you get in trouble. Yeah, no thanks. When I was uh, younger, I would be like, hey, we go to the horse races. And I don't, you know, I don't count that as like FanDuel or anything, but I'd be like, oh, I like this horse. You know, we put some money on it, whatever. And, you know, I went a few bucks, but like the one that I can remember was a few years ago. I went down to Nashville and I uh, was using FanDuel and I put a bet on Ivan Barbashev to record a point, right? At least in my head, I'm like, oh, record a point. Nice. Game comes on. It's uh, to record a power play point. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like that's even tougher. Luckily, they put him on the power play, 
and he just he was on the second unit just so happened to get a, a pass in the bumper spot ended up scoring i was with like 10 15 a couple of my buddies i put like a, a ton of money on him like i'll get a point and won some money on it. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And then yeah. took those winnings and lost it all. Yeah, once you think it's easy, that's when you should just Anthony, you were, you were 10? Yeah. One of our texters from 314 says, Anthony had his first drink later that night. <laughs> <laughs> Many vices started that evening. <laughs> we got to celebrate. What's, uh, what do we drink around here? Uncle, order me a drink. Yeah. <laughs> Not great. Question number two. From 314, would the XFL and USFL be better off as a single league with 16 teams? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I would <laughs> say so. Yeah, if you can if you can do that, I think 16 teams would uh yeah, you grow you grow your league, you expand out, you find other markets. Yes, I would say yes on that. I don't know if that helps you revenue-wise, but I would imagine uh, if, um, if, over time it might. I don't know. Uh yeah. How does the USFL draw from a fan? I don't know. It's a great question. I would have to do some research and see if it's... Like the XFL, obviously St. Louis is going to kill it as far as attendance goes. I'm anxious to pay attention to the rest of the league and see. I think think it probably makes more sense for them to merge together rather than compete. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. We got a text from the 314. I bet on the St. Charles Chill lost a bundle. Oh, yeah, me too. Question number three. That's okay. Uh, From the 618, Jamie, do you see Detroit being an option for Pareko after trading their top right-handed defenseman? I don't see Detroit adding right now. Although Steve Eiserman, who has a ton of cap space, he's cagey like that, man. He might look at Colton Pareko right now and say, hey, if I added Pareko, then this offseason – uh, I go sign another top end defenseman, you know, or maybe Steve Eisenman has enough cap space right now and capital. He could trade for Pareko and Chikrin. And all of a sudden that Detroit Red Wings blue line looks a lot different. Anything is possible from Steve Eisenman. That's what I'll say right there. I don't see him leaning towards Colton Pareko right now, but stranger things have happened. Question number four. From the 636, Jamie, who was the team you hated the most as a player? And I'll add on to this, Stalter, which team did you hate growing up uh, against your Atlanta Falcons? Wow, so hate playing against, obviously, right? Um, well, I don't know. There could have been a team you hated playing for. Nah, I didn't hate anybody I played for, really. I mean, Florida Panthers wasn't a lot of fun, but that wasn't the team. It was the head coach. It was a donkey. <laughs> so, um... The team I hated playing against. I'm trying to think. Anthony, you go ahead and think because I played a lot of teams. Uh, mine's easier as Buccaneers. I hated I hated because they were so good. Defensively, Warren Sapp and uh, Brooks and Rondé Barber. I mean, they I just I hated, I hated that Buccaneers team. Yeah. John Gruden. Yeah. I also didn't like Elway and the Broncos. Why? Because Elway, well, one Elway, the Broncos beat the Falcons in the Super Bowl, crushed them. But I just, I hated Elway complaining about going to the Colts and I'll just go play baseball. It's one of the reasons I rooted against Eli for a while. I don't want to go to San Diego. Come on. Uh, But Elway started that, all that. He goes to the Broncos and like, oh, he's a hero now. Okay. Go to the Colts and win. Elway. Great player, though. Hated him. 
So for me, Detroit Red Wings, early in my career. So I think of like an actual hatred for a team Mm -hmm. was in the mid-90s when we were playing the Red Wings. That rivalry was pretty strong, and uh, they always seemed to have our number, especially in the playoffs. So that would be the team. That would be a good one. Question number five. From the 314, Brendan Donovan looks like he should have more power. How can a guy like... How can a guy built like Mookie Betts crush dingers and Donovan mostly slap singles? Bat speed, lower half, the ability to, you know, barrel a baseball, whether or not the ball is going to jump off the bat. Uh, you know, the, all the stuff that fans, you know, a lot of fans don't want to hear about, launch angles and things like that. I mean, it's there's kind of a science behind it as well. And some guys are just gifted that way. Mm-hmm. It's like golfers. You look at a golfer out there, a guy is stick skinny little nothing to him and he's crushing 300 yard drives yep. or a hockey player like you look at elias Pettersson for the vancouver canucks it's like 175 pounds soaking wet he's got a one-timer that you can't even see yeah like it's just sometimes it's just the talent of knowing how to you know to hit something mm-hmm. and so i could see with with someone like mookie Betts just there's a talent there yeah. and all the other things too coming into mm-hmm. uh into play as well but yeah it, sometimes it's puzzling to look at an athlete and go how did he do yeah. that hand-eye coordination timing of a pitch i mean th- the ability to get your your bat through the zone quickly and and not not come around it so that you've got this elongated swing and that you're grounding out a lot i mean there's there's a lot to it question number six yeah carrie take that carrie <laughs> We're way off clock. <laughs> I don't care. We're getting to the six pack, nah, Anthony. We're a couple seconds off. We're who is your favorite? And this is from the 636. Who is your favorite at the moment to win the big tournament? The Arch Madness tournament? That one? Sure. <laughs> I'm assuming you're talking about the one played in March. I think that this is, I've mentioned this before. I think this year is wide open. I think that. Houston is going to be really difficult to beat, obviously, as a number one seed. But the other the other team that I'm fascinated by, and it probably shouldn't be, is UCLA. From a talent standpoint, scoring ability, coaching, UCLA, I think, is one of those teams that could, could give a lot of teams issues. So I'll go, I'll go UCLA. Go Jayhawks, baby. Kansas. What? Yep. Now, why would you do that? Why would you say that? <laughs> just because are I you know just, it. Are you just flat out trolling? <laughs> yes, I am. You're it is just five flat o'clock. out. I mean, <laughs> it's the five o'clock hour and you're trolling. My daughter goes to Mizzou. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> no, I was joking with that one. I, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know the ins and outs of all of these teams. I've seen a couple of games. I feel like Alabama has played pretty well. Um, UCLA has played well. But I don't know if there's a one team that's absolutely just going to crush it. I think Mizzou's going to run the table. They'll run. They're fun. Yeah, it's not a bad. They're a good team. They're fun. I haven't gone to watch. Remember, I said I said they'll go to the lead eight. I don't remember that. No, you I might don't not remember it either. Actually. I don't remember well, that. Probably never does. happened. I've got a decent memory. I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. But you know what, Marsh? I like you, so I look. I believe you. Okay. Good, thanks. Could Jacob Chikrin, you're like, that means a lot. Yeah. Could Jacob Chikrin fall into the Blues' laps? Probably not. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Hey guys, loving the show. Uh, my thoughts on if we should build with Colton Pareko or trade Colton Pareko is a very obvious I am trading Colton Pareko. He is not your prototypical blue. He is afraid to be physical. And quite frankly, he has been non-existent since pretty much the Stanley Cup uh, in 2019. So I think we could do better. Maybe go put our hat in the uh, Jacob Chikrin. Or we can go and try to even draft our next Alex Petrangelo. So those are my thoughts. I think this rebuild is a, a true rebuild. I don't think it's possible to retool and be competitive. But those are just my thoughts. All right, that was Tim leaving us a mic drop. I'm not sure what he was doing in the background there, Speaking Jamie. Speaking of retool, how many tools was he dropping in the background? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he was just putting some stuff away? I thought it was Legos? maybe like... At first, I thought he was doing Anthony Stalter and just angry typing what in the background. Mean? Anthony, we had somebody on earlier today or yesterday, and all I could hear in my ears was... <laughs> I look over, and Anthony's like like that thing you see on, on the internet. Like, <laughs> like what's his name? Jim Carrey and Yes Man, or when, no, when he's Bruce Almighty, you know, when he's God and he's answering all the emails, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look over at Anthony's, like, yeah. Maybe the Sabres will win the Stanley Cup this year, too. It's like, what? Show off, nothing. Oh, is that from that movie? Yeah. 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 And the you know, city burns down. So, anyways, I thought he was uh, emulating you. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm like, Jamie, your types like this. <laughs> Yeah, I used the whole fist. <laughs> well, right, what job you, done it. What do you think of uh, what do you think of, of Tim? His thoughts. Colin Pareko. Guy sucks, should be traded. It's okay, stop. It's been Enough. terrible since the Stanley Cup. I'm paraphrasing, of course. That's what Tim said. Yeah. You know what? You're gonna pet the cat the wrong way, and Colton Pareko one day is gonna walk through that door and rip your head off. Hey, guess what? I said I'd keep him. But you just that's, said that's that. That's what I said. I'll, I'll, somebody's going to clip that one part and play it for him. And he'd be like, oh, really? Yeah. I I'll suck. Say, I'll say, hey, really? Colton. Hey, Colton. Well, yeah. I said I'd keep you. Okay. But you got to clear it more, especially when it's inside the zone. <laughs> clear it. Clear it. Clear it. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't clear know. it. This guy he sucks. <laughs> oh, there he is again. There he is again. What? Cole Pareko? Yeah. Yeah. I told you already I'm building with him. Okay. Well, I am. What he, if... What JR if... brought up a great point, too, when he was on here with us. We had Jeremy Rutherford on here from The Athletic. If you missed that, go back, download the podcast, 101ESPN.com, brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto. JR kind of said the same thing. Is, you know what? Like, if all these other teams are calling you, asking you about the availability of a player... Like, what does it tell you? We always talk about the Cardinals. Oh, Mosellock got fleeced. If they're calling, don't answer, John. Mm-hmm. Or the Rays, definitely. The Rays. Okay, yeah. so what are, the Ra- the what are the Rays seeing? What are these other teams seeing mm-hmm. that they want to acquire that bad contract and all that? Oh, it's too much money. Why do they, why do they not care? There's a reason. There's a reason. And so I'm building with him. All right. Throw another scenario at you here. Uh-huh. So, it would appear that the Coyotes are running out of suitors for Jacob Chikrin. Mm-hmm. If they're still intent on trading him. Well, Anthony, hang on a second. Marshy, oh, we got some breaking news. Breaking news. Oh, wow. The Blues have acquired Jacob Chikrin. 
Marsh, fire it! 101 ESPN. It's not as easy as Breaking news alert. The Arizona Coyotes have traded Jacob Chikrin. Oh, my goodness. To the Ottawa Senators. Oh, come on, Jamie. <laughs> Yeah, Jake, I mean, literally. Should have done this segment earlier. NHL, <laughs> NHL, NHL Network, three seconds ago on wow. Twitter, the Senators have acquired Jacob Chikrin from the Arizona Coyotes. Okay. I am trying to – oh, here we go. Uh, the Coyotes get the first-round pick, top five protected in 23-24 first-round pick, 23 second-round pick, 24 first-round top 10 protected. Man, there's a lot of things. The Coyotes <laughs> did well. Let's just say the Coyotes did well in this trade. But the Ottawa Senators, here we go, right here, the actual breakdown. To the Ottawa Senators, Jacob Chikrin, that's it. To Arizona, 2023 conditional first-round pick, 2024 conditional second-round pick, 2026 second-round pick. That's not a lot. That's not a lot. For Chikrin? That is not a lot. I mean, it's... It, I mean, it's a it's, fair amount. It's a fair amount. But what were you thinking? Two first? I was thinking first round this year, first round next year, and a player. Like some okay. kind of a prospect. Mid to, you know, upper prospect. Well, if you're the Coyotes... Been hanging on to him forever. They must have not had much more. So yeah, this is the second, second time or second year in a row where they... I mean, obviously, they just traded yeah. him, but they, they've had issues, clearly, finding the compensation that they want. Well, so, the Ottawa Senators put two games in a row there against – they put a beating on the Red Wings, which I think has altered the course for Steve Eisenman in Detroit. Now the Ottawa Senators find themselves five points out of a playoff spot. Hmm. Interesting. All right, well, there you go. Another, uh, another deal. Here we go. Could the Blues have gotten that guy, like, if they didn't have the cap issues yeah, at, but the, they, at the moment? Yes, like they would have had to send – almost the entire amount back to the Coyotes mm-hmm. in, in salary. And the Coyotes would have had to want that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the Blues had the picks to do that. Obviously, you got right. three first-round picks. In. They could have easily they put that. shot themselves in the foot. Could have easily put that package together. How close How close are you, though, if you if you acquire somebody like that to, to, re, to, to competing again? But where does, he, where does he go, right? So mm-hmm. that's the problem. So ultimately – and the Coyotes weren't probably taking one of your huge contracts back. You probably could have found a way to make the money work. Then you've got crowded dance floor. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe the Coyotes didn't want to do business with the Blues. <laughs> it, 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 that does happen to where teams are like, I'm not dealing with them. Mm-hmm. Or I don't want that. I don't know. I want to do this deal instead. Well, Bill Armstrong is their GM. He yeah. is familiar with the organization. So Right. Yeah. Sometimes it makes it harder, though. To to get a deal done like that, because mm-hmm. you know you know you're well versed in the players, and you know maybe you maybe you know that you're not going to get the be- the best offer if you deal with Doug Armstrong if you're Bill Armstrong. Nonetheless, as Jamie just noted, Jacob Chikrin has been traded to the Ottawa Senators in exchange for three picks, first rounder and two second rounders, respectively. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. 513, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. What you missed, criticisms, compliments next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. If 
If you missed anything from today's podcast, make sure you download, actually the show, you can download the podcast available at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 ESPN mobile app. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tyron Auto Centers. Spent a lot of time talking about Colton Pareko. Took some of your mic drops. Would you keep them? Would you trade them? Got some thoughts from you. Uh, we appreciated those. Uh, broke down uh, Kapanen, his first look that we got from him in a Blues uniform. So talked mm-hmm. about Kasperi Kapanen a little bit. Talked about Aaron Rodgers, made fun of him. Um, just an absolute weirdo there. And uh, had some fun. Had some fun today in the fast lane. Clearly, Anthony's <laughs> never seen Ted Lasso. Unbelievable. <laughs> Actually, haven't. I, I, I do want to watch it, but I, I haven't seen it. We got a great text message from the 314. I think I just saw someone with a 13.1 bumper sticker pulled over just tearing their Be Patient shirt to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I'm done with this show. Thanks a lot, Jamie. <laughs> if you missed that, download the podcast. Yeah, there you go, exactly. All right, time for criticisms and compliments. What do you got, Marsh? Uh, we have a couple criticisms from the 573. I didn't appreciate Anthony's tone when answering the question about how the Cards offense actually improved. <laughs> what? I said it was going to improve, and I blamed Jeff Albert. I thought that was, I thought that was supposed, that's what I was supposed to do. Did I not do it right, guys? Anthony, I thought you were. I thought I thought it was fine. I thought it was. I thought fine. it was fine. I, I just. I mean, you're supposed to blame Jeff Albert for everything, right? No. I'll be better making sure uh we got a uh, a compliment from the 636 uh marsh it's been a pleasure doing the saliga commercial with you uh i'm not going anywhere just wanted to let you know you're not doing it alone so i guess we have listeners that are doing that the are saliga doing, thing there too. you there go, go. okay i just said uh, after that that last one wasn't my strongest uh, i'll admit that but uh yeah it's fun i like you are self-evaluating marsh the For best sure. the best in the business dude mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we did get another criticism uh, for you, Anthony, mm. and for Andrew, not me, Andrew from the Gauntlet, from the 636. Criticism. Three Gauntlet questions were literally facts you should have learned in grade school. Mm. Eight states surrounding Mizzou, or uh, Missouri, Teddy Roosevelt with pets, and marathon distance are basic information every adult should know. Terrible showing on both players today. Anything less than six points today was poor. It's disgusting. It really was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't feel judged right now, but thank you. We're going to have to get this person on the gauntlet. Well, apparently, he's the greatest uh, person of trivia. Great greatest, schooler. Greatest trivia member of all time. And you should be in the Hall of Fame. Is that Teddy Roosevelt question really like oh, something you learn in grade it's, school? Well, no. How do you not remember the president that had a hyena? Yeah, I didn't, Jamie. That's a good call. Yeah. I mean, some people don't even know who the first president of the United States was. No. I that I think would be common knowledge, but look, we all we all have different knowledges, okay? We all have 100%. different specialties. Mine? I don't have one, uh, which is why I'm doing radio. This human being that texted in, I imagine rocket scientist, you know? Probably. Uh, From the 618. What I care about, what I care about is that this person putting me and poor Andrew down, who won, by the way. Mm -hmm. He'll be back tomorrow, too. What I think is most important, guys, is that this person, which a lot of people would probably call pious, I wouldn't. 
but a lot of people would. Call them what? Pious. Why? Uh, just, you know, by nature of the, the text and um, uh, him getting on his soapbox and him thinking that uh, he's the most important person in the world. I'm glad that they're going to go to bed tonight happy that they put human beings down to hmm. make them feel better. Real quick from the six one, uh, 661 today, I learned Anthony hates John Elway and Jamie texts with his fist. Always something new. Yeah, I do. I do hate John Elway. That's a, that, now that's a fact. Appreciate everybody listening today. I'll work on my trivia. No, I won't. We'll see you tomorrow. See ya. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.